This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Next Lander Podcast. Boy, Brad and Alex, mm-hmm. do we have a lot on the horizon. Hi, Vinny. People can't see you, Cy. <laughs> they can't see you. Hi. Hello. Hey. Hi. Thanks I guess for... we're doing that joke. Okay. Ooh. Hi. Yes. Hello. That's my no- Aloy impression. Nothing here. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, I guess. Um. I guess we gotta. Guess we gotta do the wordplay. <sighs> Oh, right. she, Just, she's got she's actually got two modes there's that one and then there's the there's the yo I'm fucking Aloy get the fuck out of my way and yes. do what I want sometimes they combine into a fun like oh, I guess I'm fucking Aloy <laughs> I guess you gotta <laughs> get out of my way alright uh, before we get into that you're listening to the Next Lender Podcast we're gonna talk a lot about Horizon uh, though none of us have completed the game we have played a bunch of it we're gonna try and try we're trying to stay spoiler free but I think like Brad you mentioned Previously, we will probably have Horizon Zero Dawn spoilers in our yeah. discussion of Forbidden West. Um, yeah, Zero Zero Dawn to me is a game that kind of turns on its reveals. Mm-hmm. Like the central mystery of, of that entire game that you unpack toward the end is like the whole point of that game. Yeah. 
So if you haven't played Zero Dawn yet, which is worth playing, and you don't want to know what all the crazy big secrets are in that game, then tread lightly. Tread here. lightly. This game really builds. It just kind of picks up right after it. So when we get into that section, heads up. Um, I think we'll probably stay away from a decent amount of Forbidden West stuff, and that'll become self-apparent when we talk about the game. Why? But Zero Dawn, off limits. Or sorry, on limits, on the table. Nothing yes. is Forbidden West. We are past yes. the point of spoilers being you know, justifiable for that game. It's too long. It's been, the game's Stat- been around too long. Statute of limitations, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it did just come to get that nice PS5 patch, but um, but yeah, it, we can't really talk about what's going on in Forbidden West without talking about Zero Dawn. I mean, the PC port is what two years old at this point. That's it. That's once that's happened, that's, that's the cutoff. It's that's market on the wall with the pencil. Okay, we're gonna talk about that up front, and then we're gonna get into the news, and then um, we might have some other stuff. I think Alex said you had some check-ins with Sifu, but it's gonna mm-hmm. be a lot of Horizon, and then we'll get into the news with all the your Bioshock stuff and we nextly predicting the future once again the death Uh, of the Wii U eShop yeah exactly Uh, I had a question for you guys though before we get into it I have um, I've been designing I enjoy woodworking it is a hobby of mine I haven't been doing a lot of it since the winter but I one of my projects is to build uh, uh, not an entertainment center but a thing on which the entertainment would go. So I think of an entertainment center as something in which the TV is housed, and I'm not. Th- I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like a, like a thing that the um, will sit under the TV. The TV's mounted to the wall that will house the games, at the a game stand, consoles. The you game, might say. Well, it's it's mostly yeah for the consoles and the controllers and stuff. So my question to you guys, couple. This is gonna go a couple of places. Okay. One. Do you keep all your controllers out? Brad, last time I was at your apartment, you had an awesome table with the glass thing that you kept it Dude, under. Every, why does everybody love that coffee oh, table I love so that. much? Do you still have I, it? I, like, every time Ryan would come over to my place back in the day, like he would always talk about how jealous he was of that coffee. It's just like a not especially nice Ikea special from like... Well, about I, almost I, 20... It's almost 20 years old. Like I, It's an old-ass coffee table. I think part of it is like well, you, you use it That's well. actually kind of mystifying in itself it's an ikea thing that has lasted you this long my god it's man, sturdy. that's got a record it's it's glass topped it is a glass topped coffee table with compartments underneath so yes all of my controllers live in there it's kind of a nice like display case it's but, like but you keep it night like you don't you don't just sho- when i was over it wasn't like just junk and newspapers shoved under there it was like you know it looked it looked uh, intentional, you know, like it looked like, like a display uh, listen i like right angles yeah that's <laughs> right fair enough i like things all played unpacking I like- I like things to be tidy <laughs> and uh, arranged. So yes, I've got a little, I got a little controller battery, a little controller array arsenal. And, and so, my arsenal of controllers lives in there. So how do you keep your brand? So I know that situation for you. So how do you keep your controllers charged? Um, the PS. So I've got two PS5 controllers, and I just rotate through. Oh, I just okay. Manu- I just, I just manually charge whenever one flashes the controller getting low thing. I just plug it in and then switch to the other one. So where do which, you keep your? Which lately is charging? about every other day. Oh, oh like man. the battery life on the DualSense is not much better than it was in the DualShock Four, <laughs> and with all the PS5 games we've been playing. So it's do you, literally about every two days, I have to swap controllers out. Do you shove it? Like, do you just plug it into the PS5 and leave it there? I actually plug it into the Xbox Series X. Okay, now, 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 now I, I, you, you, we, we have to cut this because yeah, Brad's I'll, going to go I'll to prison if yeah, we put this I'll, on the show. I'll edit that I, out. I, 
I cackle a little bit. I feel like I'm <laughs> violating custom every time I charge dual sins on the Xbox. I'm going to send a priest to your house. Uh, yes. This is too much. Okay. And then on the Xbox Series X, I assume you're just plugging that into the PS5. Well, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's got batteries. Uh, do you do you do rechargeable in it or no? Yeah, that's, that's an in-a-loop situation for the Xbox. Okay. And then you're just... Those things last forever. Yes. Uh, okay. Alex, what's your situation? Uh, well, much like my mind, it's a lot more cluttered. Okay. Uh, so I, we have a TV stand that has like drawers mm. that open up. And so any controllers that I'm not using currently end up in there. Anything that does not part of the charge rotation <laughs> usually just gets stored there until I need them. Okay. Um, but like the main ones, like this, uh, Xbox series X controller, I'm holding up for you and no one at home because yeah. we don't do a video podcast. That's right. Thank you. Uh, I did get a rechargeable battery for this thing and that I just plug into this USB hub that I have over here by this desk. And if I'm out in the living room and I'm using it out there. So like the underside of our coffee table has like a second shelf. Okay. Coffee so table tend, situation. Got it. So I tend to just kind of line those up under there unless I'm charging them, in which case there is a section on my top shelf where uh, I pick up all my consoles that just has my TiVo on it, and uh, that only takes up half the shelf, so I can just kind of put this controller next to that while it's charging. And just a USB cable up there? Yeah, just like whatever USB cable is running from the console. Okay, and then do you guys both, do you guys, I assume, have a Pro Controller for the Wii and the Wii Joy-Cons? What do you do with your Pro Controller? Same deal. Okay, it just sits and yeah, hangs got, out in a drawer? I'm, yeah, for me, I've got Pro Controllers for... Wii U and Switch. Okay. Both Somehow I have table. two Pro Controllers, and I don't know how that happened, but I do have two of them. All right. Um, I've, maybe we'll touch on this again later. Mm-hmm. I've still got my Wii U controller out and charged at all times. Oh, that's amazing. Charged, uh, really? Charged. It's, that, it's on the little... Did, did it come with a charging stand, or did yes. I buy that separately? No, the I little kickstand. Okay. The little, like... Uh, yes. The little, like, little... I don't know what you call it. It looks like a, like a hair clip, almost. It's, um... Yeah. That thing, oh. that that thing for me needs to be in a charger. All that needs to be attached. That won't yes. hold the charge for me. It, it it lives in that charger. I'm gonna uh, say all those Wii U eShop games that I am planning to buy and play. I'm gonna say something incredibly sad right now. I just you guys talking about your Wii U controller and it being active caused me to look over at it on the shelf of old consoles I have that are not plugged in. Yeah, and my friends, the layer of dust that Ew. thing has collected. Uh, I, I practically heard it cry out to me. It's like, why did you forget me? Just, you played so much Splatoon on me. Why? And I'm now very sad. It just says weird. It, as I'm looking at it, the word kill me is being written onto the screen. It doesn't want to die. It just wants to be loved again. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I moved my Wii U in here briefly for a stream like three months after the pandemic started. So that was almost two years ago and I have never hooked it back up. <laughs> my, it has been sitting under the TV unhooked up for almost two years. My Wii U and my Wii are both in active rotation with the kids. They will play, um, they will play the Wii U mostly upstairs. My son has been going through like a Zelda kick up there and playing, bring those games over to the switch, man. That's another voice in the chorus. bring, Go bring uh, Wind Waker to the Switch. It's, Dude. It, is, it is a war crime. They've, the longer they fail to bring Wind Waker HD to the Switch. They've got at least three more years of runway they need to fill. Like It's true. It's true. You can, that you way. Can, we'll get to this in the Wii U section, but you can pretty much get every Zelda game uh, on the Wii U with the virtual console and all that stuff there. So here's my thing. I'm, I've got kids and they each have their own controller because otherwise controllers break and then who do you blame? You got to blame the kids, right? It's their mm-hmm. controller. 
that means there's like f- three to four. Con- and then if you have three controllers, you might as well get four because it's really four player oh, thing is the, is the amount you're going to want, right? So does, so does this rule apply to every console that is in use? So every console, I have four PS5 controllers. I have four oh, Xbox controllers. I have Jesus four. Jesus dude. Four, okay. I have three sets of Joy-Cons and, uh, and a Pro controller. And so that's a lot of controllers. And they're not getting used all the time, but any given time there's three being used mm-hmm. so i'm thinking the entertainment center thing i have to build has to be wide enough for four controllers to be charging and i have docks for a lot of them like the ps5 one i have a dock where they go sit upside down in to charge uh i think i need to have like charging stations along the top yeah uh, and then i think i'm i'm gonna have to build in usb ports into the wood you know what I mean? Super do this. You should do all of this. Also, it should be like a weapons rack that hangs on the wall. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, like, I think I push a button and a, a like, picture flips over. Is that okay? Mean, like, okay. Just envision if you were building a rack to hold a bunch of broadswords and, and battle oh, axes. Oh, I see. I see. You remember okay. that part in Wayne's World where his girlfriend gives him a gun rack for his car? <laughs> <laughs> um, here's the thing that I would like to find out, though. Because I feel like, Brad, you'll be keyed into this. Alex, maybe you've thought about it. Mm-hmm. If My wife was like, you can build it. I don't want to see the stuff inside. So that means Ooh. it needs to have some kind of door on it. Mm. Would, you, would it be weird to build in big, big, like 120, 160 millimeter fans into the, into the thing so I could shut the doors while the thing is on for to move air through the entire this is, thing? This is- this is for the consoles, not the controllers, yeah, right? Yeah, for the consoles, Okay, yeah. yes, yes. I would say you don't want totally enclosed console No. You think fans would be okay in there? Well, here's, probably. Here's how I do it, is that the, the, the Ikea stuff that I have, the shelves, there is a back that you're supposed to build onto it, and I just yeah. didn't build the back onto it. So that's not going to happen, my man. That back is I mean, for I've, stability, man. You got to put I've, that I've, back on. Or you're, this was not a load-bearing back. This was the thinnest fucking no, like, poster got, board back they, they gave me. That back... It's either back or rack. You know, you're gonna that thing is gonna rack back and forth, or you gotta back it up. Are you saying you've got a whack back rack? <laughs> I'm saying my back has been whack for a while, okay. Jack. Uh, so I don't know if it's necessary. And I, and again, I think Brad, you'll appreciate this. But I think it would be cool to have fans. Oh, it would be cool. With no one's tem- denying that with a temperature sensor in it, so that if the temperature in that thing gets hot enough, this fans spin up in the entertainment center. Nope. Time to dust off the Arduino gloves, I guess. Uh, I think it would be cool. Now, is it too dumb? I don't think so. I, you know what? I would hit the Google first and okay. like s- see if there are designs, if other people have undertaken similar projects, because there probably are some best practices here we're not thinking of. Mm. Like, like you'd probably want to cut some vents into the side, right? Even if it's supposed to be fully enclosed, like you still... You still need air intake. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I was thinking like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen, remember like cool old, old timey speaker grill where it's just like, uh, like ovals in the wood and then there's speaker grill behind it. Like, uh, yes. like a mesh. Sure yeah. Like a mesh behind the wood. Okay. Right? Yeah. I was thinking yeah, like that, that. to okay. stop the dust a little bit from coming in and then blowing out the side. Uh, and then how, the, how, like how technical do you want to get about this? Cause like, if you really want to go down the rabbit hole of figuring out if you've got like positive air pressure or negative air <laughs> pressure and that whole thing, I don't know if I want to get that technical. My biggest concern is would I, would closing it off, this is such a weird thing. Would closing it off dampen the sound of some of the fans from the console, but then would I be introducing my own fan noise? But if they're big enough fans, would I be net? 
would I be net minus DBs on the whole affair? You know what I mean? God, like, are you talking? Are we talking like PC fans? I'm like, talking like talking big case ones, fans, yeah, like, like 100, 120. What, I was thinking 160, maybe on like that, the. I was gonna say, what is the biggest PC fan you can get these days? 160. I, th- I thought 100. It was this 168. Is that the number on it? Actually, I don't remember what the actual size. I'm not is. sure. Uh, I was 120. Well, we don't need to get into sizes. <laughs> there are probably some pretty big fans you can get. Yeah, I'm not thinking like one of those box fans you put in a window, but I'm thinking Ooh. PC case fans. Nocto has got like 200 millimeter fans there now. There we go. There we go. Like. Maybe two of those or something. I bet that would be pretty quiet. It's just got to get rid of the... And what if it had a temperature gauge on it that was like just like blue, 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 yellow, yellow. I would do blue and red or yellow. It's going to be a cool I, entertainment center. I apologize if this is not the podcast for this, but these these 200 millimeter fans are only 18 decibels and they move a lot of air. There we go. All right. Do I, it. Here's what it is. You have my blessing. Okay, yeah. great. I don't care what you do or how you design it. I just want to see it. I want to okay. see what what your mind constructs. What what Vinny's these hands, these working he, man's hands, are able to construct. And I want you to build me one after you're done. Here is my prediction. I do it. I'm happy with it. Within a month, anytime I'm playing a game, the fans are unplugged. The doors are open. Like it's, mm-hmm. I'm going to build it. It's mm-hmm. just not going to work in practice. And I'm going to just have the doors open and never use the fans. You might be right. Final That's, question. <laughs> yeah. What finish are you putting on that bad boy? Oh, I hate finishing. Um, probably a clear coat of something. I would, I'm would. i going to say it's probably going to be a satin-like finish, and it's not going to okay. be a, a hard poly, um, and uh, probably something water-based. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. It depends how much knocking around I think it's going to get. Probably not a lot, so probably something water-based and probably a thin satin. I don't like shiny, like like um, plasticky-looking finishes. Here's what I think. Uh, you need to live stream yourself building this thing. No, there you go. No, thank you. There you go. Live dust stream. Off that, dust live off that stream. lathe. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a lathe, but lathe. But maybe it's time. Um, I uh, I I just need one. It's time. Uh, I. You should. It's like a wire mess. I don't know if you guys have a giant wire mess, but it's a wire oh, mess. Oh yes. See. Oh, it looks. I was gonna say, like my thing doesn't have a back on it, like Alex's, and the spaghetti situation mm-hmm. going on behind there is ugly as sin. Yeah. Every single space oh, that I occupy in this apartment has some form of wire mess. So, so years ago, um, like two years ago, I bought things to punch a hole in my drywall behind my hanging TV and make a the receiving end of that where this thing should be, so that. Hopefully, I could run all the wiring for everything in the wall so that you just see this entertainment center, have a gap, and then see the TV like magic. There's a magic, Mm -hmm. the magic gap where, like, oh, how's it all work? Oh, it's magic. It's just there. So we'll see. You know, I might go with a shellac. I like a shellac finish. I'm not afraid to admit it. Okay. I like a shellac. I like bug poop as my my general. um, I don't like that anymore. I don't like what you just said. Anyway. Should we get into why, what I'm going to be doing for the rest of time uh, on my new entertainment stand because it's such a big game? Is, is, it going, is it going to be shooting bits off of robot animals to upgrade your bow and arrow? I, I, ho- I can only hope. Uh, we're going to talk about Horizon again. If you skipped forward up to this section, we will probably have some Horizon Zero Dawn spoilers, but um, we're probably not going to have too too much to spoil about forbidden west here but we probably have some early story stuff we might get into but um if you're very sensitive to that stuff 
and you're just looking to jump in fresh, obviously just do that and don't listen to this yeah. part. <laughs> Come back to us when you're done. Um yeah. in in three years. So 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 we we did a kind of thirty ish minute live chat about the game on Monday mm-hmm. to observe the embargo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we probably, I think, collectively all came off like somewhat down on the game. I was warming up to it at that. Uh, yeah. At that time. So, like, that's the weird story of this for me since in the forty-eight hours since then is like I'm I've kind of turned a corner on it. I I was like, just saying that to Alex before this too. I think I like have too. Yeah, it's it it makes a pretty underwhelming first impression for me. I mean, I think you guys probably agree. I I would go so far as to call the opening hours of that game kind of dire. So, like, so I'm glad you brought that up, Brad, because I'm, I think I'm about nine hours in. I think, Alex, you said you're about nine or ten, right? Uh, Brad, I'm not sure how far you are, but are you still in the daunt, or have you open, you've opened I the gates? Just, okay. I literally just like got turned loose in, in the actual Forbidden West. I did the exact opposite of what everybody said to do, which was, hey, mainline the story right. until you get into the full open world. You soaked And I was like, oh, yeah, sure, that sounds good. And then I proceeded to do every side quest I encountered as, as I found them. Found all the... I, I just can't help myself. Found the mirrors, found the pots and pans, uh-huh. found yep. everybody's I got, shoes. Yep. And- yep, I got the pots and pans. I swam through multiple mines that yeah. were flooded. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the interesting thing before we start getting into really the nitty gritty here is the further I get now, I'm starting to get, I feel like I'm getting my Horizon Zero Dawn legs underneath me. And it's like starting to become more familiar because I bounced off of Zero Dawn at first, and I came back to it later, and it's, I really enjoyed it after spending more time with it. But it, it was an initial bounce right off, and I think I, I'd have the same thing, yeah. And I think so. I'm thinking, Brad, for you and for me, if we didn't have that initial, like, hey, you know, you gotta gotta get lost in this world a bit for it to really start feeling okay. I wonder if I would bounce off of this too, because Alex, it sounds like it's just not grabbing, it's not finding purchase for you at all. No, it's not. And I, I understand why you guys have taken the turn that you have, because it does get better. Like, the as soon as you kind of get out of that big daunt area, and especially that early tutorial section, which would is not open world at all. Would you say it's kind of daunting? I was trying not to say that, but I thank you for saying it for me. Okay. Uh, let, me let me mention real quick. So the daunt is, it's, it's kind of the intro open world area. It's pretty analogous to the kind of Nora hunting lands from the first game. Like yes. It is open world, but it's a smaller kind of intro area. But like the... This game really gets off on the wrong foot because before you even get to that intro open world area, there is a solid two straight hours of just like mega linear uncharted climbing, mm-hmm. like stealth, like like painfully slow stealth tutorial encounters. Just like that opening two hours could have been like a nice tight 30 minutes that really would have moved. <laughs> but because, dude, why do they stretch that out so long? I, I don't know. And I understand why you design it that way, because that section also doubles as the let's fill the player in on everything they might have missed because that other character Varl is there and yeah. you're talking to him and basically like filling him in on the details of stuff that happened, you know, and why things are the way they are in that world, which it needed. It absolutely needed that because this game is so reliant on what happened mm-hmm. in that first game to propel this story forward. It's true, but like also the first time you boot that game up, there is a like two minute really tight, just like previously yeah. on Horizon movie right. that plays that literally just exhaustively says everything. And a full codex game. with bios for everybody. Yes. Yeah. But if they're like, like me and they know that they this person is not going to sit there and read all those codexes, like having that mm-hmm. section make sense. It's like you said, it's too fucking long it's, and it doesn't yeah. get to any of the stuff you actually like about Horizon until over the two hour mark. And right. by the time it gets there. 
you really have to be bought in on mm. playing it and the things that you are doing being fun to propel yourself because the daunt is an absolutely bland area <laughs> of just every open world objective you've ever seen in your life and just some of the least interesting characters and granted i can't say this definitively because i did not finish the original horizon you guys rebounded i did not after <laughs> that like first six or seven hours but these characters are just nothing there is nothing there there is no real investment in why aloy should really care about any of this other than she has to help them out to get on with her mission and the getting on with her mission takes forever I think I think for me the biggest thing about that early intro stuff aside from it being very linear and no open world stuff is you finish it and it feels like a waste of time. Like if yes. you had just taken one thing out of there and it's like here's the MacGuffin I needed to do the next part of my quest, but it really you come back and it's basically got this I don't know, like a, a Jurassic Park Nedry uh, uh, uh moment. And then you're like, you come back and you're like, well, I guess that was a huge waste of time. Let's go back home. And then the, right. then the story kicks off. Like it's, I mean, it's her chasing what is her last lead in the quest that she's currently on. And it turns out to be a dead end. And so there's just like no payoff there at all, really. Like, yeah. And it, the other, so like that part is too long and it's just not the stuff you want out of Horizon. But the other, the other major issue I have with that two hour block at the beginning is I came out of that first game feeling like, man, that was a really well-told, interesting story that had, like, a lot of cool reveals. Like, there was this central mystery that was, like, just endlessly intriguing until they filled in all the gaps about what, like, why the world ended and then yeah. was full of robot dinosaurs. Yes. And who Aloy was and where she came from. And, like, all that stuff came together really well. Like, it kind of in tandem revealed the nature of the world and also kind of completed her quest for identity and belonging that she had been on the whole game. Like it all just wrapped up really well to the point that I was like, I kind of hope they don't make another one of these. Mm. Like this ended perfect. I don't want to say perfectly, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was, like it wrapped up very tightly. I was just like, let's just let this one be. It got, and it, then it leaned into a little, little, little corn cornball at the very, very end with the bench and everything like that. But I, I agree with you. Like there was enough tragedy in there and redemption where I actually enjoyed it. Like, yeah, well, yeah. It was, I mean, some of some of that was yes, a little saccharine when yeah. she finds the body at the end. Like, yes, that was a little bit yeah. on the nose, but like, I don't mind. Yeah, I didn't. But mind. the bigger thing though is, I went into this worrying, like, do they have more story to tell here? Like, what is the setup for this now that like all those questions have been answered? Yeah, and the impetus for this entire game is there is a blight on the land. The yeah. land is poisoned, and only I can fix it. And I have to find this MacGuffin to do so. And I was just like, no, no, <laughs> yeah. this is like, this is the most like trite, classically generic setup for a video game since like 10,000 90s JRPGs. It's just like, I, land is poison. We have to fix it. Like, no, there's I, got to be more here. And I that's, think, but that's all that's going on. Well, on top of that, not only is that the big setup and they, they really hammered home in those opening two hours, they basically forget about that shit for like five hours after that when you get to the dawn. Like, they barely talk about the blight. All Like, you don't see it at all until you get out into the mm. actual open, open world. Like, it's basically just, okay, now forget about that that shit for a little while. Here's where we're just going to remind you of all the open world stuff you need to do. We're just going to not even talk about that Blight stuff at all. Like, it's just it's just not there. I had almost forgotten about it by the time I got out. And I was like, oh, right, that pink stuff. Okay. Yeah. Why is she coughing so much? Uh, yeah. I, I was going to say, Brad, you mentioned JRPG, and it's funny because you are literally going out to find Gaia as well. And, like, yes. save, save uh -huh. Gaia. 
uh, from the evil if, uh, if, red. If stuff. Aloy just had, if Aloy just had amnesia and or a magical pendant, uh, yeah. Well, would have checked off all the madlibs. There's also kind of like a uh, uh, like hero heel turn thing, which I also didn't appreciate. That like, wait, this this person is not doesn't have my best interest in mind. Uh, with the um, silence, is that the oh, uh, silence? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, he was the guy who was nominally helping you in the first yeah. game, and then clearly was not a good guy by the end. And like that goes exactly so, how you think it will here. Like like kind so, of. Yeah. overly explicitly so it's weird so you have this and again i'm coming around and i'm getting invested so don't take this take, if you're listening to this take it with a grain yeah. of salt because i am actually yes. enjoying it but I, um, I, I let me let me also say before we get like I, I i am also building up to the point where i turned and became positive so so the, the weird thing is 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 it like so if you're playing this know that i think it gets better <laughs> plus six seven hours in but um you do to this two hour tutorial. They they pull the rug out from under you. And they're like, oh well, and then they have like a what is basically a five to ten minute uh, story reveal of the setup, and it, it is so fast. It turns that quickly. The the tower, this tower in Meridian, basically lights up. You go inside. You're like, oh, I guess I guess it all went to hell. I've got to go west. And like after two hours of like kind of this linear thing, it's like here's the story. I got to head out west. All you people here. Uh, I gotta go, and then, of course, in true open world Witcher post Witcher game, you're mm-hmm. finding everybody's shoelaces and and stopping unions or helping unions or doing yes. whatever you need to do, settling settling labor disputes, yeah. uh, helping helping trapped miners. It's um, the setup going is, and finding it, going and finding a new frying pan for a cook. The setup is so funny. Literally. It's um. It's talking about it. Is it going to make sense? Make it sound so much worse than maybe it actually is. Or Alex, maybe you could say it is. But like they basically, there's this embassy. You've got to go west, and there's this. You can't go west because the the west is full of um. It's a, a rival Tanakh. faction, the Tanakh, and like okay, they're the Karja, which are the group that kind of uh, won out in the first game, are trying to broker a peace, right? But none of this can happen because this embassy needs to take place, and basically. The shorthand is a bunch of whistles need to be blown before you can go west. And like I swear this happens like two or three times where it's like, blow the goddamn whistle. I blow the whistle, but look out there. They're, they're not blowing their whistle. They're not blowing their whistle. Or like, there's so I'm many. I'm supposed to blow our whistle when they're not blowing their <laughs> Like, it's, it's just, like, come on, And dude. so Aloy is constantly being like, oh my fucking God. All right, I'll go out there and I'll go do the thing that makes you blow the whistle. Like, also, yeah. actually, now that you mention it, there 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 are multiple tiers of whistles that need to be blown. <laughs> yes, there's, there's a whole system there's, involved. There's there's the whistle and chain scrape that needs to be blown yes. to signal that the work stoppage has ended and that the laborers can get back to work. And then there are also the two whistles that need to be blown by both sides <laughs> of the embassy yes. to initiate that proceedings. It's really it's really like and so Aloy, Alex touched on this. Aloy has this. She is the hero from the previous game. It really is right. a direct sequel. And so everybody's like, oh, my God, the hero, you know, the savior, the savior. That's like a that was like kind of an yeah. interesting wrinkle to the story that I wasn't expecting is that like generally video game protagonists are like put upon and like nobodies. Right. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of the you're received by people as a as a, you know, who the fuck are you? Yeah. Get out, get out of the way, even though you are actually saving my life and everyone else's life. You know, like, I don't care about you. Like, it's the opposite of that here. It's like literally everybody calls her the savior of Meridian. Like. Everywhere she goes, oh, it's the savior. The savior is here. Oh, savior, help us. Like, it's, it's like she's deified in this weird way. Which is kind of neat. And like, that I, I, yeah, at first, when she was, when she was visibly uncomfortable with it, I thought was cool. (laughs) The more that she just leans into it and she's like, yeah, I am the savior. I am the savior. Like, fuck you. Get out of my way. Do what I say. Like, 
so, so the more that turn happens, the less I kind of enjoy that aspect. I, I feel like they are the one thing I think they are doing reasonably well in that regard is that it is not a ego thing. Like she is doing it literally as a means to an end. Like if it oh, gets totally. her through yeah. a thing faster, even though nothing fast ever happens in this game, but if it gets her through a conversation or through a roadblock faster, she will just throw that weight at them because she doesn't care. Like yeah. the, the actual the actual title means nothing to her. It is literally just you are in my way. Please get the fuck out of my way or we're all going to die. Like you're you're totally right that, yes, she is doing all that. The ego is in service of she thinks the world is going to end and everybody's going to die if she doesn't fix it. But like that kind of goes back to a the quest she's on. The thing that she's so panicked about is just like super trite and kind of whatever to me. And um God, I've completely lost my train of thought. The other thing I was going to say. Is it about, about the fact life. that like she refuses to let anyone help her? Uh, that's part of it. God, what was talk amongst yourselves? I forgot. Okay. What the well, the other side. Yeah, that's the other side of it is that like the constant refrain here is that there are people she knows that want to help her. That From the first join game, her. mostly. Yeah, and then every time they have an opportunity to do that, she finds a way to slide out from under them. Like, she just, you know, she she ducks out in the middle of the night. She just straight up tells people, like, you can't fucking go with me. Like, it's... I, I can tell that this is the main right. lesson yes. of the game. This is the thrust of what they are what Aloy will learn at the end of her grand adventure is that, like, actually people need to help you sometimes. But, boy, they are laying it on thick. And, and not only that, they... The people she keeps abandoning and keep finding her again. They're like <laughs> just over like, and over, over and even over. in the first ten hours. It is it is really weird how like the dawn is portrayed as like, oh, it's the borderlands. This is like right on the edge of unknown territory. Like nobody goes out there. Who the fuck would go out there? And then you go out there and like everybody you knew from the first game is there yeah. or immediately catches up with you there. Like you're constantly running into people from the first game out there. Uh I, so the thing that the thing that bummed me out, the thing that's getting better about Aloy, she's got this very put upon. I know what I need to do. The wonder from the world is gone for her. There is mm -hmm. no more. Like if you remember the first game, it was constantly learning, and she was learning about this technology and like the focus and what it means and like oh my gosh, technology and this and the way she talks about it now is like, uh, no, that's that's a nonlinear array, and you're gonna put this stuff into it, and like she's talking like. You know, she kind of, yes, you know that's what I mean? Cool. She's like, yeah. it's all gone. She's like, she knows what the world is. And when she's talking to other people about it, she's like, ah, don't worry your pretty little head about it. Uh, Varl, like it's, yes. this is the thing. Like that, it's, that, it looks like magic moment, to you, but it's not. Yeah. That moment in the, the intro where she gives Varl a focus. Yeah. And then she's like, we'll talk later. I'll explain to you how to back up your data on it. And yeah. he's like data. And she's like, uh, you know, wow, we have a lot to go over. Yeah. Don't worry about it right now. <laughs> so, that was kind of cool. So it's, like, it's kind of cool, but it's a little bit of a put down because she's lost any sense of wonderment in the world. But that starts to come back when she goes through the gate. Like she, she gets a, she, you find a thing. And as a player, you find a thing. Cause everything feels like a known quantity for about seven hours. And then she gets like, she sees people doing stuff. That's like, Whoa, I have not seen this before. And there's, there's like a, virtual hang glider she gets like uh like almost immediately after going out the gate and she's like i've never seen this crap before and i'm like yes this Dude, is what i want i don't know how it didn't occur to me until you just said that 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 is like the most breath wild thing it is oh, literally it like super that super is it is literally that hang glider from from like it's oh, literally yeah. just a way to jump off a cliff and sail down which I, don't get me wrong i very much appreciate like it absolutely enhances your ability to get around that world fast i think but she was like what that. if that took 10 hours in breath of the wild <laughs> yeah. to get there yeah it does take a long time but for me it was very refreshing that she is she is now in a situation where she is put off 
her her out of her comfort zone like other people are riding on uh on the animals that are out there other people are doing things that she, only she could do before and i think that's what's making the game interesting again for me of okay there is something to discover here because for about 10 hours the setup is she's seen it done it been there she just has to go on and she has to go plug her magic spear into something and you know turn it a couple of times to go reset hades again and it's like right. okay it, yes like i mean quite literally it is the setup is like oh the threat you thought you dispatched in the first game you did not in fact dispatch you still have to go fix it like yeah. that's all it is you know and like that's that's a hard end goal to get excited about with how long it takes everything to get going and how slow that happens but i think once um, you're through that gate the the real i think I think that first area could have been an hour and a half, the daunt, and get you through that gate and get, because the story really jumps off there too. The setup for the yeah. real story yes. begins there. Like the, the events the events that take place around you literally, like, there is quite literally a physical line in the sand <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. where the characters are like, that side of the line is the east, <laughs> the side is the west, yeah. step across and you die. Like, it's very formal in and that it, weird way, but like, but the, the, all the stuff that happens around the, the moment you cross over that line is where I feel like the story actually really it's going. And it's still corny and it's still, and it's, but man, chain scrape is the corniest. Like chain scrape is where all the people are who like, didn't quite make the main cast. I feel like they're hanging out, like waiting for their chance to get a line or two in, you know, it is. I, <clears throat> I don't want to harp on it too much, but it's just like every character there feels like, Everyone is living their Final Fantasy side character, like, <laughs> fantasy, you know, like, in that space, but also they are the least interesting people in the world, so they're just wearing very bizarre costumes, but also have no personality to speak of. It is just, it's a, it's kind of a wreck. Like, that section of the game feels like kind of a wreck. Like, there are good gameplay bits in there as they kind of ease you into remembering how to ta- tackle animal combat, how to, you know, sort of, you know, take over mounts and all that stuff. But every time there's like a story beat in there, it's just it's the hackiest shit. Mm, I, love- I I don't mind I don't mind those characters honestly. Like I, the costumes, I agree with you on. Like most of the costuming, I don't know if it is intended to be kind of self, like in, kind of inherently absurd or not, but it is. But like, I, I, I don't know. I, th- I think I think the, most of the performances are pretty good. Like the. I think facial the, capture and stuff. It's not. It's not the actors. Like I, there yeah. are bad acting. There is some bad acting in there, but like I, I don't think it is specifically the fault of the actors. It's that there just there isn't much there. Oh no, like, there's not much going on. Yes, like that. Like like we said, you know, like you're literally doing fetch quests for people yeah. and and stuff like that. Like those. Like most of the side quests in that opening area area are intended to set up side activities. Right. It's like, mm. oh, you're meeting the character who is going to teach you what it means to climb all these, right. these watchtowers and get these lenses. Like, oh, this cook you're doing the side quest for is intended to introduce the cooking mechanic right. to you. Here are, like here are mats that. to upgrade your weapons. Like, go go seek these materials out. And, yeah. Uh, it, there, and it is, I think I said this about, um, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, what is the last one we just played last, the, <laughs> last week's game? Uh, Dying Light? Yeah, yeah, Dying Light 2. Was two that was two weeks ago. Shit. Yeah, yes. two weeks ago. Yeah, like, I think I said that. It's like, oh, it's, it is the most open world. This this is a lot of icons. So like it's, this is, this is potentially more open world earth than, than a dying light too. Yeah. And I have a, never been less tempted to see what all those icons were than I was with this one. I mean, like some of the side quests I'm starting to get now have got actual mystery to mm-hmm. them or like, like they are story relevant in a way that those, that, that initial wave was not, but, um, not nothing in the horizon maybe was so this is well, okay. Some other stuff was okay. Here's a great example though. 
very open world, what are we doing here was you go to those watchtowers and you pretty much for me, I'm sure Brad, you did the same thing uh, because it sounds like you scooped up a lot of those side quests. Alex, maybe you did as well. You start collecting those things before you get the quest and she's just collecting a thing. She's like, I don't know what the hell this is, but I might as well grab it and put it in my pocket. I guess it'll come in handy later. And you do like four or five of those until you get to the last one. And somebody's like, Oh my gosh, can you collect, can you go to the top of these watchtowers and collect all these mirrors? And you're like, Dude, here's five of them. Wait, wait, had you really done five of those? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I had only found one watchtower before I found the watchtower lady who was like, I want you to climb these watchtowers. And then and she, oh, so I had the one lens. No, I, all I had to do was get the one that she gates oh, wow. and come back to her. And she, I was like, here are all of them. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, and she's like, wow, that's pretty great. But yeah, Aloy is constantly just like, you collect four or five of them. And she's like, I really don't know what these are for, but I'm just going to hold on to it. I, uh, I, I really enjoyed the guard. You run into on the way up that cliff to find her body, dragging that dead body. Like he is so unapologetically an asshole Mm -hmm. about not caring that this dude just fell off a cliff and died. And it's like, she's like, and then this lady is like yelling for help from the top of this cliff that she's injured. And Aloy is just like, so you're not going to go help. And he's like, so you are like, (laughs) it's just such an asshole, like very smarmy. But Uh, it's also one of the most perfect examples of this person exists in this space and will never do anything else in an open world game because he is sitting there trying to drag that body and he never makes any progress ever. I ran by again two hours later and he was still in the same place dragging the same dead body. Uh, The uh, I'll I'll jump take a break here just for a second to jump in and say this game looks amazing. I think the I think the the rendering of the characters is really really well done. Like the even the side characters even. Even all the um, townsfolk, it's like a for what they're doing, the towns feel appropriately dense, and mm-hmm. the characters feel different enough and lived in, and um, doesn't doesn't have a lot of that open world cookie cutter stuff going on that uh, you get from the characters, at least. I would like to elaborate on that, but I think we need to take a break for before we do Uh-oh. that. Uh-oh. Okay. Well, that's a good setup then. So here, let's take a quick break. Come back and hear Alex's thoughts on Horizon Forbidden West Cityscape. Stick around, we'll be right back. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. I bet you guys have subscriptions. I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions, and at a certain point, I had to drill down. I had to, I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day. My busy schedule. Your time, which is worth more than anything, to find those subscriptions and cancel. Brad Shoemaker, do you live a subscription lifestyle? I am just a walking monthly bill at this point. <laughs> it's the world we live in. If you need help, boy, guys, I got some, uh, I got some news for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. It says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, when in reality, the number is closer to 200 My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way. 
by going to rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com slash nextlander, rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. All right, Alex, yes. tell, tell us about, elaborate. So <clears throat> you point this out, and I will say that, that I, I think on a technical level, that is this game's triumph. It is one of the most detailed renderings of everything in a video game I think I have it, seen. And it looks really good. And especially in the cutscenes that are primary story stuff. Like that is where like I think the animation yeah. and the visuals and everything just comes together in a really spectacular way. But, you know, I there is a pretty clear delineation, I think, between those and the scenes that are side stuff that they mm. I'm not saying they did this, but I feel like almost every open world studio does this to some degree. I bet they contracted some of that animation work out and it shows like there's yeah. a clear difference between the stuff that like they really went hard on the motion capture for and the stuff that feels like it was animated by someone making a, a dubbed version of a PS3 game from like, you know, 2005. Like it's there, there. Yes, there is definitely I, I wanted to make that same point. There's definitely a disconnect there. Like any character that is involved in main or side quests, like plot relevant stuff, like their facial capture and all that stuff. It's like the best I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then there are side quests like there like there's a side quest where a character just says, go get me these parts and I'll give you a new weapon. And like. Very clearly less less animation attention went into like the face there. Like there's no eye movement stuff like you get with like, like some of those some of those story characters are just like flat out real looking. Yes. It's really it is like startlingly good. But yes, you're, you're but you're right that the whole the whole game does not get that level of attention. And like granted, like that's that's most games, right? It's not Oh sure. Maybe, yeah, I'm not maybe I'm not it, calling them out specifically for this. Like I said, every open world game does this to some degree. Yeah, like I, I maybe maybe it's more noticeable here because the highs are so high. Is, yeah, is my guess. I think it's, that's what it is. It seems yeah. mostly like the cutscenes where they have two two brands of cutscenes: the ones where you can button through the the text prompts if you want to move faster, and the ones that is an entire skip the cutscene uh, uh, thing. And it seems like the ones yeah. that you can button through maybe get a little less detail. And again, that is yeah. totally expected even, yeah. because even yeah, even even some of the Mass Effect like conversation wheel scenes though, like the the second in command of security dude that you spend a ton of time talking to after the bad stuff happens before. Like right mm -hmm. before you get out into the Forbidden West, mm -hmm. like just the not to keep harping on this, but like the quality of like just the eye movements, like mm -hmm. his whole facial yes. everything is so fucking good that it's like it's the kind of thing that I wish I could go back like 20 years and talk to myself then and say, dude, look at this. Look at what games are going to do in 20 years. Like it's 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 really impressive. Also, his it's, performance is very good, too. Like yeah. Yeah. Like the acting is good, too. But also just they translate the acting like that's kind of always, you know, that's always translating human. Yeah. Uh, kind of behavioral stuff to in-game models is the trick. Right. But they do that really well. Yeah. I, I don't want to say that there aren't good performances in this game. Like I want to I emphasize that because I do think that there is some some very solid, especially motion capture acting going on here. But like there are also lots where I feel like. I am talking to a monotone person reading a script. Like it's, yes, it's just kind of yes. all over the place. Some of some of the characters you'll meet just on the side of the road for <laughs> five lines of dialogue are not no. to that same standard. And and the reason I, I kind of wanted to emphasize this point is that I, I think a lot of people are going to go to this game because this is, they're looking for giant you know graphical showpieces to justify their PS5 purchase. You know, and I get that. Like I've certainly bought my share of video games because they were the you know the visual showpiece of the time for whatever console they were on. And, you know, there isn't necessarily like a huge volume of those yet for the PS5. 
I, I'm, I'm, and I want to say this, I'm not calling out Jeff Grubb for this comment. I think he, I totally understand where he's coming from on this, but he said this thing yesterday. It was like, I don't understand why you wouldn't buy this, you know, if you own a PS5. Like, this is the kind of thing that, you know, you, like, I would expect people to just go out and get because it is, you know, the next hotness for this console that hasn't been out that long and doesn't have that many big exclusives for it. The problem I have with this game and the thing that I think is making me, like, less than enthusiastic to recommend it even on those terms is that it really is just the technicals. Like, there is some good art design in there, like, especially on the lighting side of things. Like, when you're just running around that world and, like, the sun's setting or the sun is rising and you're kind of, you know, the sky is changing colors and everything's kind of, you know, just when you're running that in resolution mode and everything is at full <laughs> detail, like, it can be really fucking gorgeous. The problem, though, is that, and this is the same thing that kind of repelled me from the original Horizon, I hate every creative choice <laughs> they made in terms of character design, costuming, the world. It's like the animals, the robot animals are the yeah. only things in that game I think I actually like. Yes, I okay, I totally agree with that. I think the the design of the in fact, actually as I get out into the Forbidden West and I'm starting to see a lot more of the relics of the old world, like the military machines that destroyed the world in the first place, like there are a bunch of rusted hulks of those out there. It's reminded me like what a nice contrast there is between the more organic, like curvy, glowing, kind of like friendly robot animals that are restoring the world and the extremely like harsh, menacing mm. military look of the robots that destroyed the world. Like, yeah, I think all those designs, I think, are, are really cool. I'm kind of also with you on the character design. Like a lot of the costuming is just like I said before, a little bit absurd. Like it just, I, I don't love it, but it just, it is what it is. Like it's, it's, got it's, abs it's absurd when it's just them trying to do their version of like, you know, here's your goofy post-apocalypse. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're taking reclaiming the, the junk of the land and somehow turning right, this into right. fashion type stuff, like, like tribal society type stuff. But the thing is when they lean super hard into the actual tribal stuff, I think it crosses over into just painfully corny. Like it is, <laughs> it is dealing in, in, in cheese, bad stereotype in a way that I think is not good and I don't yeah. think they get away from that here if anything once you get into the west and you meet the Tanakh then you see where that stuff is going like it's just it was I like it was just scratching at the back of my brain the exact same way the first game did it was just like god if this is the stuff they're leaning into I just I don't think I can get on board with it I'm not into it at all the the the, I, the design has that you i think you hit the nail on the head for me it has that design of like hey you could look through an art book and see like oh these cultures would have found all these pieces of metal and how would they incorporate them into their you know their wear right what are the what are the two resources they have a ton of little metal trinkets and some mm -hmm. leather and then but then everybody's wearing too much metal yes, constantly that's what yes. it is that's exactly what it is there's no restraint it's just too much like I assume you guys met the pitmaster of oh the melee pit. Oh my god, <laughs> that guy! Like, he's wearing like literal cheese graters over his eyes. It's like, how do you see? Like that doesn't even make sense he's for me. Like, like a from a utilitarian standpoint, like this costume he's wearing does not make sense for someone trying to survive in the wild. Like, like I know I make this joke all the time, but I swear to God, it's that Tim Robinson sketch. I have too much fucking shit on me. I can't breathe over yeah, and like, over and over again. Yes, so, yeah, so a lot of a lot of the the attire is just too busy, and like they less would have been more there in most cases. I think. So I think the thing, and here's we're gonna get into, I'm gonna say a little bit of the Horizon Zero Dawn spoiler. So heads up if you're listening to this, you might want to punch out. But some of that is 
goes back. I am able to live with a lot of that because of the story of Zero Dawn and what happened to the knowledge of the old world, uh, where basically somebody hit a button and just stopped the complete education of everybody that was supposed to come after from the guy's project. It's been a while. That was Ted Farrow, right? Like yeah, he sabotaged so, that whole effort, yeah, right? Yeah, he, he basically, okay. the world was Fucking being, re- Ted. The world was Dude, being rebooted so much. and they had like, okay, and here's what's going to happen. You're going to have this crutch, which is basically going to raise these kids and they're going to be taught uh, all the information from the old world. And he basically just like delete on the world's knowledge. It took the like, you know, Encarta CD out of the drive and snapped it in half. So everybody who wandered out of the, the cradle were just not idiots, but they had no, they had nothing, right? They had to start over. So it's a little like somebody pouring, you know, sugar or syrup into the, into (laughs) into the gas tank or into the embryos a little bit. I'm just like, okay, we got a bunch of betas coming out, but like, um, it's, you kind of, you kind of get that vibe. Like, are you guys, is everybody in this world just kind of a little bit of an idiot? (laughs) Like we, we do have all this knowledge going on here, but, Again, I think, I think that's part of the story, right? Like here is here oh, is yeah. human. It totally here, is built on the backs of the civilization that they have no understanding of. How they have no did, real connection to. No connection to what happened there, and it's part of what I think Forbidden West gets wrong in its intro. There, like you might not even get that. I mean, you can get that from the intro. It's hinted at, but if you didn't play Zero Dawn, the most fascinating thing for me, and again, some spoiler talk here was what those machines were doing to terraform the earth. And once you find that out and you look at them, you're like, oh, these are the things that aerate the soil. These are the things that recycle the robots. They have a purpose. Yeah. That's why the fang horns are sticking their heads in the ground and like digging constantly, yeah. right? Because they're actually doing, they're, like, yeah, that they're doing exactly that. This yeah. is what the tall neck did. It was a Wi-Fi repeater or like, this <laughs> is what, like, you know, this is what this. That, that said, that first boss fight in that intro where you fight a gigantic robot snake why does that exist like that that might have that that was another really kind of cheesy moment for me similar to the costumes where it sort of crossed over from like okay i get how these animal designs from the first game were like serving a functional purpose to resuscitate the earth not so sure about this giant (laughs) snake that is spitting poison at you those things those have no purpose those things are part of a two-part gi joe episode That's kind of Cobra yes, Commander build those, and they have some trouble with them for a couple of episodes, and that's yes. it. Like that's a that is a real fine line to walk without veering into cartoonish territory in terms of your robot animal designs. And I think that one may have pushed a little too yeah. far for me. And some of the and some of the promo art I've seen for some of the other stuff later in the game is, is similar. There's like there's like straight up like Lord of the Rings Oliphants, but robots later apparently from listen the promo art I've seen. Like I don't know. Look, Maybe the the foundries needed to like you know. Maybe they shifted gears a little bit and Hades got in there. I mean, it could be something. Maybe it is narratively explained. Maybe yeah, they broke maybe, down cargo ships. I don't know. So, yeah. So, like, that is that is the thing that has brought me around on this game. And the thing I least expected about this is that, okay, I, like I said, I came out of that first game thinking, like, okay, the real story was the story that spanned eras, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the story in the present I found pretty tedious, right? Remember all that stuff yes. with, like, you get to the Karja Sundom and you're dealing right, with, the like, King you know, the, and the, yeah. So... That stuff really did not work for me in the first game. I found it pretty tedious. It really dragged for the most part. And I've been thinking about why as I've played through this and what's different here. And like, I think from what I remember of it, the thing I came to is that like a lot of that stuff in the present day in the first game, you were coming to after the fact, right? Mm -hmm. Like there was a big civil war, like there was a mad king who like visited endless atrocities on the land and there was a civil war and a revolt and they overthrew him. But you get there after all of that has happened, right? Like it's all over. 
Like you're just there in the aftermath, which like can be politically intriguing if they do it right. But I just found a lot of it to be pretty slow and not super duper interesting. Like there just wasn't much going on in terms of like struggle of power. Well, also like between the clans in the present day in the first game, it was really the who was Aloy? Where did she come from? Why is the world like this? What was Project Zero Dawn? Like that was what really drove that game. It seemed relatively insignificant to to the greater story. It was it was something to slog through as I waited to see the next hologram audio log, basically. But like without giving away too much about what's going on in this game in the present day, like the stuff happening in the present day, and I've only seen really the first kind of major dramatic kickoff you guys know what i'm talking about but i mm-hmm. won't say because it's a pretty big reveal um it may it feels much more like you're in the moment and you're in the middle of a power struggle right mm-hmm. like it feels much more like oh shit is just popping off like people thought things were getting better in terms of like peace across the land but oh gosh this is actually really bad and i'm here to witness it from the jump right you know what i mean yeah, yeah. it's not like it's not like you it's not like you showed up after the civil war started it's like you're, you're there as a as a major conflict is kicking off. Yeah, totally. And so it, the present day, like kind of strife between factions is like way more intriguing for me right now than it ever was in the first game. And that, I think that's, what's got me hooked right now is I actually want to like get out into the wilds where like nobody that you've been working with really knows exactly what's out there because it's so dangerous. They never go there. Right. So like, well, like they've got some idea, but I mean, there's like, they said like the, you know, the, what is it? The, uh, what is not not the Karja, not the, the, the Tanakh. Oh. No, the other the Osirum. The Osirum. Like they have scavengers that will go wander yes, out there from yes, time to time yes. and gather things. But like by and large, right. they don't spend a lot of time out right. there. They don't have a presence out there because there's a lot of strife and I, like. So it's I'm kind of curious to get out there and see what's out there and see where that story stuff goes because there's a lot more there than I, there was in the first game. I'm a little worried because we're all up to about about the same story beat stuff. I'm a little worried it's going to fall into major cliche zone zone. Yes. With, and it already starts there. Like that. Yeah. Yes. That yes. You were hundred percent right like, that it all could sort of unite end up the in West a really, kind of thing. And like yeah, find it, everybody's missing cat. And then like, it, you know, I would, but my dog ran away. Be like, let me get your dog. And then like, it, it absolutely may not pay off. You were super right. And, and just to kind of finish my thought from earlier, like the reason I bring up the, everyone should, you know, would feasibly buy this game because you know, it's the big, mm thing for for ps5 you really have to want the technical visuals because i don't think there's a lot here that isn't just what you could get from just about any other big triple a open world game at this point beyond pure visual fidelity the gameplay isn't bad like especially you know the the animal hunting stuff i think is still done very well here i like the ranged combat i'm a little less hot on the 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 hand-to-hand stuff but it's not bad but once you get into that map and you start seeing what those icons are and like what you're going to be doing, you have done this before. Oh yeah. You have oh, done yes. this many times before <laughs> is, and not just in horizon. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, but also, yeah, but also in horizon, like yeah. it yeah. is very specifically like you're going to be climbing tall necks again. You're going to be yeah. going and clearing out bandit camps again. You're going to be doing most of the things you did in the first game, even the hunting grounds. And they have a, this kind of throwaway line where they're like, I thought the hunting lines grounds were only in the, uh, in the East. And they're like, well, turns out, they're here too. Do you want to do you want to participate in trying to get the three trophies? Would you like to do some? Yeah. yeah. Which is I, I I the thing that bounced me off of the original Horizon was I it took me a while to warm up to the um what that game I'm trying to not use the phrase expects you to do, but it I think what made the combat more interesting for me which was not just using the the one bow or trying to trying to make use of the arsenal that you have in Horizon to make encounters go more quickly and be less tedious. I would say a fault of Forbidden West is 
if you're not ready for that, they dump everything on you right away to the point where you max out your weapon wheel like within the the intro that the, the, the gear starting system, area. Yeah. The gear system is bad. It's, they they did not like one overwhelming. They give you, it's overwhelming. They give you too much stuff and it is not well des- like explained like why you would want this bow over this bow like other than this bow can apparently use these two types of ammo and this other one can only use these other two types of ammo but this third one can use one of those and a different (laughs) one one. like so why is it like that so that's very horizon uh that's very zero dawn and i think coming to it i was immediately like oh right i'm gonna get a shit ton of bows i don't need to waste my time upgrading the ones i'm never going to use i'm going to wait till i get the rare ones and then i'm going to start putting points into those because i know i'm going to get one eventually that's going to be like it's acid and fire and it's long range and that's the one i'm just going to wind up using versus this one that's acid and not uh a regular out like there's just but there's too many up front and they don't explain it I, I and just, then the, the necessity of having to have like three different bows equipped at one time is just too much. Like, too it's much. Just, it's it dumb. Just does not make sense to me why they didn't condense that into like some of the bows have functional differentiators, like the God, what do they call it? Like the warrior bows. You know, mm-hmm. they almost look like the little short range ones. Bows. Yeah, they're short range and they shoot super fast. Yeah. You know, it's like okay, here is an actual different behavioral use case for this thing. Like it's it's when a robot is right up in my face and I just want to dump arrows into it yeah. and kill it as fast as I can. Right? Like that's worth having a separate bow. But when you've got two different bows, like you said, that it's like this one shoots regular and acid. This one shoots acid and fire. This one shoots regular and fire. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like there's so much overlap there that like that should have been condensed but to like just let you swap ammo types out on the same bow or something because you do need different ammo types to like trigger different elemental effects on yes. different robots. Right. So I think if I remember correctly, zero in Zero Dawn, you do get some that have even more than two like the yeah um, that seems like that'll happen probably it's the chill sling the the slingshot thing that like you get initially chill in blast. this game yeah yeah and it just has the ice one on it it takes up 25 percent of your weapon wheel i'm pretty sure that's because those things get multiple um uh elemental types on it later on yeah but when you're starting out I don't want to have to go into a menu to get my fire bow on because I'm now just run quickly run up against a thing that is a fire type Pokemon that I need or a, you know, whatever it is. Cause there's a lot of chain reaction stuff. Hit the, hit the fire thing on the back of a, a robot with the fire arrow and you'll knock it down and it does um, it's super effective. It does major damage to it. And so that's important. So you, I don't know. I've kept the, the electricity one on because most of the things seem to have a power cell on their butt. Uh, but occasionally I want that fire one and I got to go into a menu, equip it, swap it back out, use it, swap it back out for the other thing. And then you guys probably saw this too, right before you go through the gate to the West, you can buy all the, well, you can buy a lot of the gear you had in zero dawn. The, um, the thing that the rope caster, the thing that ties things to the ground, Mm -hmm. um, a bunch of other gear where you're like, Oh my gosh, I've only got five slots on my weapon wheel. I now have uh, nine weapons that I kind of want to use constantly. And that's tough. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I love the rope caster. I think that's one of the best things in the game, but am I willing to sacrifice an elemental type of thing for it? I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's frustrating that that stuff is so top heavy because there have been some pretty nice quality of life improvements in other areas, like particularly like keeping track of the weaknesses of the enemies, because it is very much a like, okay, this thing has five weak points and like some of them are invincible. Some of them are weak to elemental. Some of them I do need to break off. Some of them will just explode. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a, lot it's a lot per enemy. And there's like 40 variations of enemies or something in the game or more. Um, you can 
Now, when you scan an enemy, you can just very instantly shortcut buttons straight into the menu to get the full breakdown of like every weak point, every type of loot that each weak point drops, like that whole thing. Or you don't even have to go into that menu to cycle through them mid-action and tag them. Like it's it's nice way faster to like scan an enemy, D-pad through the weak points, tag the one that you need to shoot off to get the crafting material you need. Like still a lot to keep track of. They just make that easier to do. In a way that I found a lot easier to get my head around. And they and they're and I will say this also, they are very nice about telling you, hey, this will be destroyed when the enemy is killed if you don't knock yeah. it off. And also this is a crafting component. Like you might want right. to knock this one off. And that's yes. it's, it's nice. like it's still it's still a very complicated framework. They just make it a little bit easier to digest it, I guess I would say. Yeah. And the, I think the reaction stuff is kind of neat. Like uh, I don't remember as much from the first game, but you know, if you cause a chain reaction, you're taking out blocks of enemies at a time and the, and they go down and it seems like your critical hit is pretty powerful out of the gate where uh, you can usually get, if it's an enemy's down, takes about maybe two or three critical hits on the toughest ones I've faced so far. And some of them you boss. can one shot. Well, some of them you can one shot, but that leads me into the tech tree, which is also a bit overwhelming. There's uh, like a lot. seven. It, much like, much like, yeah, there are much like the weapon system. Initially, I took one look at that thing and literally did not spend my skill point. I literally took a look at how many skill trees there were, and I was yeah. like, I'm just going to sit on these skill points for a while. I just want to keep going with the story. You, ba- you, bank, them, you bank a lot. Yeah, like, you, quickly. yeah. You, do write, you, you do rack up skill points fast, uh, but, but like, I literally just did not want to engage with that system at first because it looks so overwhelming. Like, much like the weapon system, once you get you know dig into it a little bit it's really not that complicated it's a bit but it repetitive make, and going down vertically yeah, it is, yeah it's, there's it's there's repetitive. there's kind of less to it than it looks i guess yeah. i would say although there are more like active special abilities than in this than there were in the first one so so but, it, yeah it's interesting you you have this kind of i was almost gonna say grid it's not a sphere grid but you have these vertical columns that align to different aspects of the game like I forget what they call them, but like, you know, stealth, hunting, yeah. trapping, yeah, it's like survival, archery, melee, health, melee archery. You know, yeah. I think that's all of them. Yeah. Uh, and then like, if you put enough points at the top tier and surround, um, a special ability, you can then unlock that special ability to, for use, you know, obviously outside the thing by filling up a meter. It's a special basically. And you fill up a special meter and you can pop this thing. And they're usually, it seems like there are about three levels to each super, but you can only have one or two equipped at a time. I've only unlocked two of them so far, so I don't know how often you're swapping those out, but it's not like you can have them all active at the same time. You're, you're, you're swapping those out. I went, I, this is how I'm playing. I went for the infiltrator one that puts a cloaking device on you, uh, and makes you invisible. Uh, and that's been super helpful. Oh, that does sound nice. Yeah. Cause I've you've not been playing stealth, but I might have to get that. So you get that one and then I just upgraded it immediately so that when you kill something, it refills your super meter. Uh, so mm-hmm. you can chain uh, stealth kills together as you're as you're running around, which is pretty helpful. the The game also has a bit of a thing. Um, so th- that's the the upgrade stuff. And as I've been getting points and realizing I'm just getting like t- six points at a clip here. Like I'll hit a level, you get three points, and like I'll hit two levels in a run, and just be like, I've got six points to burn. So you are getting a lot of points. It, it became less stressful, but um, the the game has a thing like uh uh where you're totally in control and then immediately dead. Like you, if mm-hmm. you, you can go down very quickly if you didn't realize that something just set off an alarm and then six or like four other scavengers just ran in. Cause there are a lot of, a lot of creatures that like to fling themselves at you early on in the game where they're just throwing their whole ass at you. And you're like, I'm trapped in a corner. Like I just got 
killed and it's pretty generous on the checkpointing so it's not that big a deal you just you can sometimes go down it is sometimes quickly. it is not i have gotten dumped back at some campfires that were a pretty good long way mm. away from where i was when i okay. died and it does remember who you've taken down mm. at least so like i got smoked most of the way through <laughs> one of the rebel bases okay because there are bases in this game by the way that you will be clearing out <laughs> Uh, and it wheeled me all the way back to that armor guy. Oh, yeah, that happened to me as well, yes. Yeah, the- and, and then it happened again, and the game crashed on me, I will just say, and I, oh. I thankfully it did remember what I was doing, but I went back there, it was just the five guys I hadn't killed yet that were still okay. in there. I didn't have to go back and do the entire base over again, which I will. I do appreciate. Uh, I hit a campfire slightly after. that. There are also, here's the thing they should have just gotten rid of. There's a Vinny nitpick. It's just like, don't make me crash for those fast travel things. Just like, just let me just fast travel. Yeah. Is is this new? You know, you can fast travel for free from the campfire. Yes, you can. I, I think there that, was an that upgrade new? in Zero Dawn where you, Maybe that was. you upgraded to free fast travel, but you can fast travel okay. for free from campfire to campfire. And let me tell you, folks, there are plenty of campfires. Yes, there, there are, are a lot everywhere. I have not crafted one fast travel thing yet because yeah. usually a fa- uh, it's within whatever the game's unit of distance is 130 yeah uh, I, I probably i probably will never craft a fast travel kit in the entire game because yeah. there's there's a, a campfire is never more than like 30 seconds it's, away. It's so there's they're just all over the place in places that narratively don't even seem to make sense they're just like yeah. built everywhere um so yeah the the campfires are all over uh the saving is pretty good i found for the most part you just walk up to one and hit triangle and it blinks out for a second blinks back back is it like technically there is a bit of a load time like you know yeah, i'm surprised to see load screens in a sony first party release yeah. like a marquee nothing first big, party game like they're they're not bad like yeah. i'd like the fast travel loads are barely more than five seconds yeah. the initial load at the top of the game is less than 10 i would say yeah, but like nominal but it but there are load screens with tool tips and progress bars on them like, yep. which is a little weird to see after most of the other uh ps5 kind of big games that have come out have you guys noticed an occasional visual glitch that i've been getting maybe this is just me i don't know but like sometimes like when i am collecting stuff off the ground the game will kind of flicker in a way like Mm. it like the way it kind of does when a tooltip menu comes up but then nothing comes up and it seems like aloy's animation kind of chunks when you do it yeah i've i haven't seen that but i have seen not like two or three uh weird graphical glitches that have been pretty common it's you know, it's still not out at the time of this recording. I yeah. would assume there will be one more patch by the time it hits on Friday. Yeah, I've I've um, had I've had weird glitches too of like stuff just not rendering. Yeah, nothing uh, like super like, game breaking other yeah. than that one crash. But if, even that, like, I quick save back to an area that was not that far. So uh, it is a little rough, like visually and and so forth. It is a little bit. Some of the transitions and screen fades are a little glitchy and some stuff like that. Like characters sort of like very jerkily resetting into another animation routine and things like that. There's like, definitely a point know, where like occasionally faces will go unplugged from the matrix like at the end of a cutscene, like oh nope my uh my emotion engine just shut down back to being a blank yeah, slate right i mean I, I just i just assume there is still a layer of covid overhead on every major game that comes out because sure. like, just like everything feels a tiny bit rougher than it than it would have like three years ago and again just to just to reiterate we were playing pre-release like i'm, I'm sure yeah. there's we a did patch. get what they yeah. were calling their day one patch but maybe there is a day yeah. 1.1 patch coming as well who knows it's it's a big game. There's a yeah. lot in there. Um, and I'm, I'm actually kind of, I'm excited to get back into it. At yeah. This point. I, I, yeah. There are two, I only have two more things to say about it. Um, number one about dying a lot. Like you were saying, like mm. 
I have the same problems with situational awareness in this game that I did in the first game, mm. which is that like, I don't know a solution for this, but when I am fighting enemies, like I generally, I want to keep the camera on the enemy. So I know what they're doing, but I'm constantly, especially because you are using a very slow to draw, slow yeah. to travel ranged weapon. I'm constantly trying to create more space between me and the enemies to line up shots and stuff. So I'm constantly running. I've constantly got the camera pointed at the enemy and running toward the camera or yeah. left and right. Yeah. And like, like in that big climactic battle I was talking about at one point, I like, I was running away from enemies charging at me and ran right off a cliff. Yeah. That I didn't see coming because you can't see where you're going when you're doing that. And literally had to reload from checkpoint and start the whole battle over because I was stuck in a place I couldn't get out of. Like it's, or I've, had I've run across things. Yeah. I've run across trip wires that I didn't know were going to be there because like, again, you just can't see where you're going when you're trying to, I wish that like well, you trigger a whole squad of guys because you ran so far back. There was a whole yeah. patrol that you didn't. Yeah, it's I don't I don't know the solution to this. I don't know if it's a lock on or something else, but I just wish that I c- could keep track of what's going on around me better as I'm trying to maneuver around these pretty like cluttered spaces. And it's I also what- wish that they weren't relying so heavily on detective vision to highlight that stuff because mm-hmm. you are having to pulse that thing fucking constantly. Yeah, you do. Much like yeah, Dying Light 2. You're kind of pinging and scanning the environment quite a bit. It, it's why I put the points immediately into um, the stealth thing was like I it just it feels like this game does not want me to play uh, does not want me to take on more than three enemies at a time. Like, it right, just, like I, yeah, I, I immediately invested in all the, like, you're more survivable mm-hmm. at critical health stuff. Like, oh, yeah. you regen faster, you take less damage at critical, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the one other thing I was going to say, like you were just saying, is, like, about kind of wanting to get back to it. Like, in the last 24 hours, I have gone from, like, ah, this game isn't really doing, doing it for me, but at least Elden Ring is about to come out. To, like, oh, I'm, like, kind of a little bummed I have to put this down because Elden Ring is coming out. You know, it's like, yeah. I... I went from being like, ah, oh, this is not hitting for me to like, oh, I kind of want to keep playing this and I'm kind of sad I have to move on to stuff. Yeah. I wish, like, I, wish uh, I could get there. Like, yeah. Like, I, I don't think trying. it's going to, I don't think it's going to, here's the thing, like talking to you, Alex, and maybe other people will feel the same way and they can let me know. It feels like it's not going to make a Horizon fans out of people who are not Horizon fans. No. You know? so it is like, very much that game with some iterative changes. Or even, I would say, even like just, turned up to 25 right it is like you know it is more it is more and more horizon so if if the things about horizon never clicked i don't think this is the one that's gonna make it uh, uh click for you not there, not hardly um there's a weird thing they do and again i'm excited to get back to it but brad i don't know if you hit this as well <laughs> i really like i in the original game i liked going through the old uh, relic or the old the relic hunt the, the thing right like find the coffee mug do the thing like i really liked going through the old world stuff and they do a thing in here which was a really weird design choice once you go west they present you with a set of ruins and you can't access them because you don't have the tool to get rid of that flower that that uh that wherever that crystalline flower thing is mm-hmm. and so you can explore that ruin you go to it and then you reach a point where she's like there's nothing else I could do here. I just I did the exact same thing. And I was like, that's a really deflating thing to do. Yeah. Like on your first ruin out of the gate. They should put that one. They should tuck that one back a little bit. Uh, I'm glad. I really love when games are like, I'm not going to be able to do this. I should come back. Don't waste your time. But like, don't put that one there. Tuck it in further. Because I haven't seen that yet. But yes, they, they are pretty explicit about like, I, I don't know what to do with do this, this yet. Yeah, I've, I've also had the opposite once where I left the first relic ruin that I thought I had fully explored. I literally mounted up and was about to ride off to the next story quest. And like, she almost like shamed me because I hadn't <laughs> found all of the treasure chests in there yet. Oh, really? I, like, 
And I literally very dutifully got off my mount and went back in there and spent another 10 minutes finding the rest of the treasure because she had dropped some line of dialogue about like, I think there's more to find here. She's extremely chatty. A little thick. She's so chatty. Sometimes it's nice. I've seen like reviews complain about this, so it must be really pervasive, but, but sometimes it's nice. Sometimes she is giving some nice needed extra context to things. Other times it's just very verbose. Like, Okay, I know I know what this quest is about. You don't have to keep reminding me every 30 seconds what's going on here. Yeah, no, it's like the, the one that I ran into last night was doing this series of hunting quests for, uh, you know, the armorer guy. And, like, every time he gives you one of those contracts, as soon as you make that, like, the focus mission, she keeps remarking to herself, oh, I guess I, I better read, read that, that contract. contract. Yeah. I should really read that contract. Which, hey, that's good advice in general. <laughs> yeah. But also, I get it. I read yeah. the contract. I saw the thing. And it's like, yeah, no, it's, it's flavor text, like everything else. Like, there's nothing really that, like, I figured out what to do without really paying attention to any of those contracts. So for me, that I, I got that same thing. I don't know if it's stopped, though, because there's a couple of places you can go. You actually get a data point that you can go read that has more detail on the contract in your um, in your omnibus, in your, not omnibus, the, uh, um, what should we call it? The focus. The, uh, what is that? What, uh, the journal, Yeah, your journal, like your, your, the thing that collects every data thing you got your codex. Yeah. you got a data point in there to read. And once I read that, I think she stopped being like, I should really, really, really check the terms of this contract. Yeah. But she's chatty. She whispers a lot too. And sometimes it's actually hard for me to hear over the din of what else is going on in the game. She's very like, she's like very soft spoken. Um, not that she needs to be screaming that she's like, oh no. my gosh, this mountain is so sheer. I don't know if I'll make it. Really hope I can make it to that thing. But it's a lot of like, oh, I should really explore that cave. And it's like, wait, what'd you say? And I have subtitles on too. And sometimes even then I miss it. But she's, she, she doesn't stop. She's no. Going, she's going. I like it. I'm a fan of Forbidden West. I'm going to say I'm going to try and keep going as long as I can. It feels very large. When I looked at the map and I zoomed out and I scrolled west. <laughs> mm-hmm. It actually seemed like there were fewer tall necks on the map than I was expecting, but there's a lot of fog. Uh, and also, if you zoom out, it looks like a very manageable game. And as soon as you zoom in and the sprinkles of icons populate the whole thing, woof. That's, I'm going to be hitting a lot of those icons. A lot of question marks. I am skipping map. way more of those than I <laughs> tend to do in open world games because I have, tr- I have told myself over and over again, Alex... You don't need to do every goddamn objective in these kinds of games. And you know what? I'm going to say Horizon is making it a little easier than it had been mm. in the past for me to avoid that stuff because I just, I don't care. If Seems it's not fair. part of the main story thrust and it's not like a narrative side quest, I just don't care. How are you going to get your strike pieces, Alex? How are you going to get your strike pieces? How are you going to win? How are you going to beat, how are you going to beat the novice three boards in strike? Did you guys play I, Strike at all? Machine, no. machine Strike? No. No, okay. I completely I have not, skipped it. I have not even done the tutorial for Machine Strike yet. It's like, come on, game. Like, I got enough focus, going on here. Focus here. I also have not done the Melee Pits. Like, There's just too many side activities. It's like, Melee again, Pits very easy. Going, if, if the game got going faster, I would be much more willing to engage with all that stuff. But it just... Just push through till you cross the line into the West. Yeah, yes. And then go back and do yes. side stuff. You can go back, by the way, so yes. Yes. That is a way better way to play this. Do not try to clear out that first area. Just go straight to where it feels like the story actually starts, mm-hmm. which is the point I have only just now gotten to 10 hours in. Or if you're like me and you're maybe just need a game that has greater aspirations than being techie water world, uh, maybe maybe you don't have to, d- to dive into this one is all I'm okay, saying. Okay, that's, that's maybe a little harsh, but I see where, I see oh, where you're on. coming from. I, I see, see where you're coming from. Tell me I'm wrong. 
It's no. Um, I mean, maybe maybe Techie Post, the Postman. I don't know. It's uh. No, uh, that was that was Death Stranding. We all know that. Oh, okay. Well, okay. I mean, like. The game makes its feelings about its Elon Musk stand-in very clear, at least. Mm. You could say that for it. That but, is fair. Uh, yeah, like, I I at first thought, like, eh, maybe this one's just not going to do it for me the way the first one did. At the point I'm at now, like, time allowing, I would like to finish it at some point. It's probably going to take a while with all the other games coming out, but it's, like, it's at least got its hooks in me enough now that I would like to see where it goes. I, I would, with, yeah. With, with the caveat that, like Vinny said, like, <laughs> I think it's about 50-50 whether any of the story stuff is going to pay off or not. Like, I, yeah. I am fully bracing for none of the story stuff to actually come together in a way that's satisfying. There's a, a super clear crystal ball of where this thing could go on the setup yeah. for it. And you're like, I know exactly how this story, this game story is going to go and marry to the mechanics of this exploration. Like, I could see this exactly. I hope it subverts some of that because um, it it would be just almost too to like video game open world story to 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 actually follow that path uh that game is out horizon zero dawn is out is it out friday friday it's out friday uh out friday it is okay out in new zealand by the time you hear this so this is a little weird and go look it up because i don't want to spend too much time here but it is 70 bucks on the ps5 it is 60 on the ps4 and yeah. I think this is the one that you get the free it's upgrade the to the PS5. This is the last one. So, yeah, they weren't so, even going to do it for this until people complained. And then Jim Ryan was like, okay, fine. We've heard you. Here you go. Yeah. So, uh, if, But like I literally saw on a forum this very morning, somebody who went and bought the PS5 version for $70, not knowing they could get it with the PS4 version for 10 bucks less. Well, like it's, so I think looking this up, I don't think they surface that if you have the PS5. No, they did not. No. So I think, I think they're doing a better job of it now, but I think like as recently as a week or two ago, they were not really advertising that fact very loudly. Yeah. So if you're going in on this and you have a PS five, I really can't say why you wouldn't buy the PS four version and just get that free upgrade. Yeah. There's, there's no reason for sure. But, Uh, but also, yeah, like, like we said, this is the last time. It's the last time they, they're Mm -hmm. not making this mistake again. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. So just heads up there, 60 on the PS four, 70 on the PS five free upgrade out Friday. Um, PC. At least at least a year away. Yeah, okay. I'm going to say minimum two years. Okay. All right. You know, Sony's getting a lot better with their PC stuff, but it doesn't mean they are, one, but they right? want that window. Yeah. All right. You guys want to take a break and we'll come back with some news? Sure thing. All right. Stick around. We'll be back with the news of the world. This week's show is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Alex Navarro, Brad Shoemaker. You're not going to walk out of the house naked, right? Not if I can help it. You're going to put your VPN on first. Yeah, of course. Of course. One leg at a time, like I always do. (laughs) ExpressVPN is the easiest way to browse safely, securely, and just better. I just used ExpressVPN. I was away on a trip. I've had ExpressVPN for a couple of years here. When I got on that hotel Wi-Fi, I slipped right into ExpressVPN. One click, very easy. Get in there, and then I was able to access the internet, let's say. What what are you doing on that vacation there? I I had to access my GitHub account, Uh and I was doing some coding, and then I I used my ExpressVPN, and then VPNed into my home computer! Likely story. Uh Uh-huh. And then uh, I watched, uh, you know, I watched uh, some videos, uh, you know, and it's fast enough. That's what they all say. 
It's got great speeds. It was connected very easily. I was even able to stream in HD problemless on the hotel Wi-Fi. And they didn't know <laughs> they didn't know a damn thing. It says here you can connect to ExpressVPN and you won't even realize you have it on, which I can vouch for. It's pretty seamless. So right now, go to expressvpn.com slash nextlander and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash nextlander to get three extra months of ExpressVPN. expressvpn.com slash nextlander. Thanks, ExpressVPN. And we're back in time for the news now. We, yes. we, oh, we actually, before we get to that, you did mention this at the top. I should probably at least make good on it a little bit. I did play some more Sifu. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, have, yeah. Have you beaten the club? I did beat the club. Congratulations. What age? Uh, I think I'm in my 50s, if I remember correctly. That's pretty I did good. It earlier this week, but it was like do late you, 50s. Do you expect to ever beat the museum? I don't know. I will say I got my ass handed to me pretty quickly in the museum. Uh, a lot of I knives did. in that museum. Yeah, I got, I'd say I got maybe like 15 minutes into that level and then <laughs> it was, uh, 10 or 15 minutes and that was kind of the end of it. Uh, but, okay. but you know, I, at some point I'm going to have to go back and have to be the club at a younger age because there is a certain, right. let's just say there's a limit to how much you can do at that age uh, as the game progresses. I also very much cheese that first boss in a way of like, I was just dodging and blocking everything, refilling my focus meter, and then just doing the fucking takedown move over yes. and over and over again. Yes. Um, and the sweep that or which, the, mostly the, worked. The sweep, like the leg sweep one? Yeah, knock him on the ground, then get on top of him, punch him <laughs> yeah. a bunch, and then get a few more shots so in, funny. and then just dodge and dodge and dodge and dodge and dodge. Uh, that museum, we've talked about it the last time we talked about Sifu, but the museum does have a, a different aesthetic, which is nice. Like The, yeah. the environment is a natural looking... Uh, and I'm just gonna say it's not it's not that it's overwhelmingly hard it's that I had already I was so exhausted by the time I finished that level for the first time I was just like I don't even care how far I get I just want to see what some of this looks like and I did I saw what some of it looked like still a cool game Um, I like it I think it's the thing that has stuck with me the best so far this year of games that have come out like it's a thing that I do actually think about wanting to get back to playing in between all the other stuff that we have to play wow Good, good Sifu update. Yes. I've enjoyed your Sifu update. It's a now, cool Now, for the news. Yes. Folks, sometimes the news is good, sometimes the news is bad, sometimes the news is eh. Sometimes the news... Which one is this? Is Nintendo discontinuing eShop support. Again. Again. I mean, we now... dis- I, I don't say this to be dismissive. We all knew this was coming. That doesn't make yes. it sting any less, but this is Nintendo. This is what they yeah. do. Yes, we now know the date that the Wii U and 3DS eShops will be going offline for purchases, and it is March 2023, which is a date that when I first saw it, my brain said, well, that's years away. <laughs> At least we've got some time. And then, oh, wait, no, that is in 13 months. <laughs> so a year from next month. So our uh, our so next lander your uh, Wii U and 3DS shop update is here. It is get ready. Go check out your uh, your favorites from the Wii U and 3DS and relive your favorite memories. They have that fun little tool up your memories. Yeah, so 
not not a ton of other details here. In May of this year, you will no longer be able to use a credit card to add funds to your eShop account on those platforms. And then in August, you won't be able to use gift cards to do that either. Um, Which actually really March. feels like that's when the real deadline is. Like as much as yeah. the the going offline thing is like the final nail in the coffin, like that feels like the first pro- part of the burial process. That's that's how the Wii uh, shutdown went to you. They had a cutoff date for being able to put money in there. And once you can't do that, you can't buy stuff, right? Yeah. So it's functionally the same. But then next March, purchases will be disabled entirely. They do say for the foreseeable future, it will still be possible to re-download games and DLC, receive software updates, and enjoy online play. So at least I, I don't think download ability on the Wii has even been shut down, right? Yeah, right? No, as far as I know, no okay. console maker has done that with a downloadable yeah. store as of yet. Um, so this is just strictly for transactions, but, um, yeah, I had the same reaction as Alex at first of like, oh, well, that sucks, but we knew they were going to do that. Nintendo does that. It's happened before there is precedent. Like it was inevitable. Mm-hmm. And then I remembered that this is going to eradicate Pushmo from the world. <laughs> and then I got angry. Oh, Pushmo. Like, Maybe it'll come me. back. Maybe it'll look at me only getting truly upset about something when it affects me personally, <laughs> but Looking at the list of games that are exclusive to those eShops and realizing that uh, Pushmo, Crashmo, and Pushmo World are going to go away <laughs> makes me very grumpy. Look, when they get to the Switch 2's classic shop mm-hmm. and they they will release those games in a weirdly long, staggered process that's like you get one, but then the other one doesn't come until two years later, then you'll be happy again. Then you will know happiness finally. Yeah. I started to say they should just put Pushmo on the Switch, but then I remembered, like, oh, that was Pushmo actually made very good use of the 3D feature on, on the 3DS. Like, that was a puzzle game made for 3D. This is this is the thing that sticks with me with these two platforms in particular. Like, you can kind of recreate aspects of the Wii U on the Switch just by virtue of the way that that thing is designed, but it's never going to be a complete one-to-one to the experience because... There is a TV experience and there is a tablet experience with that thing. And that is just kind yeah. of the way that thing is built. And we saw what happened when they tried to turn Zombie U into a regular video game. Nothing good. Um, but the 3DS in particular, and I guess this is also true with the actual DS, but like, you know, in both cases, those are not systems that you can easily emulate on most other platform systems. Like, you would have to build a whole thing to simulate that two screen experience and especially the touchscreen aspect of it. Mm. Yeah, those those that like the emulation and preservation is a really interesting topic around the DS and 3DS in particular because yeah, like the horsepower is there to emulate that software now, but the control capabilities are not, right? Yeah. Like you can run DS games on your PC just fine, but you can't make those little screens line up and like you can't get a touchscreen, right. you know what you know what I mean? It's like like mouse control for the touchscreen. Yeah, like weird. you can't replicate the hands-on experience of playing a DS game with a stylus on a PC. Uh, and the 3DS just makes that even worse with the lack of actual 3D uh, visual capability. Like, it's it's a bummer. I mean, you know. It happens. It, I, well, it's I a mean, bummer. Like, but, like, also keep in mind, with the Wii U, I kind of understand a little bit because that thing was a failure and they want to move on from that thing as, as far as they... I mean, they already have. The Switch is, a, is an unbridled success, so they have to some degree. Yeah. But they want to forget about that thing. They're just like, it doesn't matter. We're going to put all the games that you liked on it, or at least the ones we made. On the Switch eventually, Wind Waker, knocking on the door, please, for the love of God. <laughs> but the 3DS was a hugely successful system. The DS was, both yeah. of those platforms were incredibly successful. They sold yes. tons of games for those things. And people have, like, 
you know, attachments to those games. And obviously, if you own the physical copies, you'll still be able to play them until the battery on your system dies. But like, I mean, the the language on this, I mean, it explicitly says you'll still be able to re-download stuff you bought. So you you, you could still get, you just won't be able to buy. And now's your chance to get in there and download that stuff you didn't before because you have until May to do that, basically. Like again, you, you can get in there and download it. Um, for the foreseeable future, but you just yeah. can't. You can't add funds after May, so like right. you'll, you'll be able to download stuff you bought. So your your digital purchases won't go away. But the, but like once that hardware stops being supported, which it is at this point, like Nintendo is not doing anything new with it, and they're certainly you know I mean I I don't I bet there are probably people out there who are still sending those things in to be repaired, and God only knows if they're getting them back. I have no idea, but. You know, those systems will die eventually, just like everything oh, yeah. else. Everything and dies. Entropy. It's yeah, entropy. I know. Way of the universe. But <laughs> again, I think when you when you start getting down to the brass tacks of like these are extremely difficult to emulate platforms, yeah. we are really running into a wall here that is gonna be a huge bummer. So, you know, it's happened on a couple of other things too. The um yeah. uh, analog triggers on the or the stepped uh triggers mm-hmm. on the was it the GameCube controller? And and how they had a problem with that, uh, the, the like um, Mario Sunshine conundrum. Yeah, uh, Nintendo will never care about this because unless they find a way to emulate it for you on whatever their latest hot system is, that doesn't matter to them. But you know, do even, even, at first. even then, they frequently do a bad job yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is very obviously just the way the world is going. You know, like Sony attempted to do the same thing with the PS3 and the Vita until the outcry was such that they. Granted, a stay of execution, but like very so, quickly, I might add. Don't you know? Make no mistake. Like the guillotine will still fall on the Vita eventually. Oh yes. But like for now, that's that is has been kicked down the road. But like they're all going to want to do this at some point. Mm-hmm. Like every platform maker eventually is going to want to abandon a thing that is not really an active business concern for them anymore. And like this is just going to keep happening. And like the only way I can console myself is knowing exactly how kind of like rich and robust the emulation and preservation and like straight up like hacking kind of communities are like like people will find a way to preserve all this stuff it may not be in the exact like retail form that it originally existed but like somebody is going to be out there doing the work if the manufacturers themselves are not so you guys look up your your uh i mean this is a shame but uh i had 160 hours played on my wii u I had 12 games. Huh. I think mine was sort of like 30-something, and it was a higher... Hours? Hour, no, like 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 games. Games. Oh, I would have believed that it was hours. <laughs> no, like the hour count was actually reasonably high. The thing I was surprised by was that Splatoon was my number one and three game. Oh, wow. Because huh. I, there was that, uh, like, the preview test version that came out, and I somehow still managed to throw, like, over 20 hours into that thing. Mine and that is, somehow made it my number three, whereas actual Splatoon was number one by <laughs> by a wide margin. Mine is a hundred hours in Breath of the Wild, and then uh, Super oh, Mario. Oh, that's right, you played the Wii U version of that. Yeah, sure. So did. I. Yeah, and then Super Mario 3D World, and then Super Mario Maker. But some of that's skewed because my kids and I have played a lot of Super Mario 3D World. So twelve I'm games here. I thought, really thought there would be more. If this if this list on keengamer.com is to be believed of the exclusives that stand to vanish when these shops get shut down, there's like several dozen of them on the 3DS. Hmm. On the Wii U, there are eight. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> there are eight <laughs> games that are exclusive to the Wii U eShop that are going to go away. Hmm. I believe so, it. So, you know, one of them is Pushmo World. One of them is Dr. Luigi. 
Okay. The Hulu app. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's like, I, yeah, there's just, you know, it's not, it's not out there. I've got a lot of virtual console stuff on here. Pikmin. Mm-hmm. Pikmin 3 was really good. Pikmin 3 was really good. Yeah, that got ported to Switch. Like, that's the yeah. thing. The more of these games that show up on Switch, the less this is, like, yeah. super tragic. Yeah. Like, they, the, real, the real concern is just games being lost to time that will not exist anywhere officially after this. Alex, sure. we talked a little bit about before this on the stream, but my 3DS stuff didn't show up on here either. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. I don't know what they're, if there's just something weird with their account linking or not, but yeah, but none of my 3DS stuff showed up on there, and I played a lot of goddamn 3DS mm-hmm. games. Hell of a console. Yeah. Anyway, like this is just a fact of life now. It sucks. It is lamentable every time it happens, but I think we just have to depend on the community to do the legwork here because the corporations are not. Or be It'll never happen. It'll never happen, but I swear I would really love someone to crunch the numbers and find out actually how much it would be costing these companies to leave these marketplaces open. Yeah, like I mean, how that much would in be... actual maintenance fees are they paying year to year? I mean, yeah, they will, they will never, never, ever, ever no. divulge numbers officially. And even like if you were to investigate, like you have to rely on what you could extract from people who are willing to talk. Like it's such a, it's just mm-hmm. such a multifaceted issue. There is just getting the broad overview of all the costs and, and like stuff involved. Support, really, tech support, really credit tough. card mm-hmm. stuff and security maintenance. Like, I don't think yeah. it's nothing, but I also wonder if it is more than a drop of the bucket in their overall revenue. Mm. Um, all right. Remember market calendars, May 23rd. Um, well, March 23rd, I uh, can't make purchases May 23rd, 2022 can't use a credit card to add funds to an account on the eShop August 29th, 2022, no longer able to use an eShop card to add funds to an account. So again, foreseeable future, you can download your stuff, just can't add the money here's, or buy. Here's stuff. a question I have real mm-hmm. quick here, just to, to tie this off. Okay. Credit cards done in May, you know, eShop cards as of August, how else are you supposed to pay? That's that's the well, thing. That's you a, can't. That's what that's what we're saying. So it's past August. If you have not put money into your wallets past August of this year, you're shit out of luck. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They don't want you to. They, right. They're they're turning it off. All right. What's up next here, Brad? How many weeks has it been since I said the words, Will there ever be a Bioshock movie? One. Like two? Was there was that last week or was that the week before? It was like maybe three weeks at most. Could have been a yeah. ramble cast, could have been a podcast. I don't yes, I don't remember somewhere. which of the eight podcasts I said that on, but we have talked about the lack of a Bioshock movie recently. Yes. There will well, ne- guess what? There will never be a Bioshock movie. Netflix announced yesterday they are making a Bioshock movie. Of course they're making a Bioshock If I may go back to that conversation for a second, did I did I say that if it was going to happen, it would be a Netflix or someone making it? That's, that is possible. And I can't that, remember if I did or not. Yeah, we and then we also... The future. We talked about how uh, Gore Verbinski was attached way back when, when this was going to be a theatrical project like when he was kind of hot off of pirates of the caribbean that's all that all fell apart years ago this is totally separate it's a netflix movie that's kind of all we've got yeah take two and vertigo entertainment according to the hollywood reporter uh are producing it no no writer no filmmaker no names to attach to it yet but oh actually i'm sorry let's see uh the way the Hollywood Reporter puts it is the streaming giant has partnered with Take-Two to develop a potential cinematic universe. Oh, boy. But I think every movie is a potential cinematic universe if it hits these days. So so here's the thing I will say about this compared to other Bioshock projects that have come and failed. 
um, is that I believe this will happen because Netflix is very good about making the things that they say they're going to do happen. Yeah. And granted, they will eventually cut that thing loose if it's not, you know, after, well, in the case of TV, after two seasons, if it's not doing, you know, continuing to do the numbers the way they want. But, like, will they produce more than one movie if this one doesn't become the next Red Notice? (laughs) I have no idea. But I think they will make this first film in one way or another. And also, the only thing that could possibly stop that from happening is people, is Netflix finally running out of money. Did, did Red Notice, like, blow up? Was that huge? I'm, of That's course the thing. it was. Every original movie they have that has at least three actors you've heard of in it becomes their next biggest thing ever, and it's all based on their, like, weird nebulous engagement numbers. They never give you the hard data. It's always like, it's the most watched, like, 170 million people watched maybe, like, five minutes of it. But hey, they watched it! That's the point. They watched it! Uh, I'll be curious to see what they want, what universe they want to explore in this. Like, what do you want this thing to be? If they're going to do it, what would you want it to be? Like, not an existing story. They quite literally use the phrase, would you kindly, in the announcement tweet, so... Yeah, Yeah, they know what they're doing. Their heads are at... Yeah, I I don't want that story. I don't want Rapture. Like, give me something else. Well, guess what? You're you're definitely getting Rapture. Oh, it's for sure Rapture, 100%. Like, I don't need need an an Andrew Ryan retelling. We know what that story um, is. I had almost... I think I maybe would have been more interested in a TV show out of this than Mm. a movie. I, I would I would I would be interested to watch a pre fall of Rapture pre New York New Year's Rapture like the lead up to Rapture. No, they're saving that for the prequel series. Oh, okay, Rapture. Yeah, the the Rapture. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, plenty of time to uh, milk that one. <laughs> it was 2007 for Bioshock. Better late than never. Here we go. Yeah, what are uh, we? Hey, we're now 15 years away from that. Uncharted finally got there, so anything can happen. Uh, oh boy, have you seen the reviews for Uncharted? I have, I have not. not. They are not kind. Ooh. In, in a very classic video game movie adaptation kind of way. I, I could believe that. Uh, speaking of uh, reviews that were not kind, and better late than never, uh, this next story about Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, they stealth dropped the next generation update for Cyberpunk 2077. They're native PS5 and Series X on Series S versions out there now, as of Tuesday, <laughs> right in the middle of maybe the heaviest release month of this year. It's, uh, uh, it's like, but there have, you go. They have a whole like matrix here of yes, the graphic. I love that. I love that in their little table they put out that like. Let's see, do 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 do. It's a lot of stuff and <laughs> two thing. two lines apart on their on their grid of features. New features added to which versions are ray traced local shadows and a hairdressing mirror. <laughs> yeah. Additional apartments for V. Uh, I, I, one of the things that st- stood out to me are improved crowd reactions yeah, actually, in PS5, Xbox Series X, Xbox Series S, and PC. You, you ain't going to get the improved not, crowd reactions. Not P- PS4 and Xbox One still got the shitty crowds. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, also, they have a whole row. Ded- uh, this didn't need to make the chart. A whole row Dude. dedicated to dual sense controller features. And I'll tell you, Gee. you can imagine which column is che- checked on that one. What do you mean the Xbox One isn't <laughs> getting dual sense controller features? Why not? Why did you do a whole row for that? Because it's, underneath yeah. this infographic, there's like 27 pages of the actual bulleted uh, improvements. Uh, and features they put in here. It's very long. There's a lot of stuff in here. Yeah, it's it's a huge update. Like, I I don't know if I can 100% get behind this assertion, but I saw Jason Trier saying, like, 
Welcome to what should have been Cyberpunk 2077's release date. There is a bullet point here that says, added neon rims for bikes. You can switch them on and off with the E key or by pressing left stick on a gamepad. Yes, this is the Cyberpunk we wanted. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, like, to to his point, like, who knows exactly what would have happened with this thing if if they had held it this long or if it would have made it out by now or whatever. Like, obviously, the fiasco of its release has informed what they've done with it since then, but, like... I get the sentiment. I very much get the sentiment of like, this feels like the game that should have shipped. I looking, at, looking at this list, this feels like the game that should have shipped in the first place. I still want to like Cyberpunk 2077. There's a there's a part of me that still wants to get in there and like it. Um, it ain't gonna happen this month with the release. No, uh, that's that's what I meant. Yeah. Like it's kind of a it's kind of a strange time to do this. Like, I mean, they had to get it until, out though. Is the thing I'm sure well, they have, know, like they like, have pressures as far as like we are nearing the end of what is this like two almost two fiscal years since that thing came out or i guess it is a full fiscal yeah year, i don't so yeah i don't i don't know when cd project reports financials i mean they're still privately held i don't know if that's a huge consideration for them it might be but but still mm. you know right right just sandwiched right between horizon and elden ring just seems like literally it's possibly rough. the worst time of this year i mean because this is to- their second this is their second you know chance right this is their time to if they wanted to make a bigger event out of this say there's never been a better time to their to to their credit like even with these other giant games coming out this is getting a ton of attention Mm. like i've seen a ton of people talking about this and saying like oh awesome i'm now i can finally play this so also like cd project games are always such slow burns anyway yeah you know the witcher 3 was it was in the public consciousness for like five straight years or still is actually so um See if, if they rebound if they get, on this one. If they get this game where it needs to be, then it's probably not going away anytime soon. Uh, uh okay. Second chances. Should we uh, should we hit this Resident Evil 4 remake story? Yeah, there's um let's see, the Fanbyte, uh Imran Khan at uh Fanbyte has a story up with some info about the Resident Evil 4 remake that has been rumored for ages, which I have been like super bearish on because I'm like the game's still fine, like mm. RE4 did not need an update the way that RE2 and 3 did. Uh, but he's got he's got a bunch of details in here that they are essentially changing the tone of this thing pretty dramatically and like mm. not feeling like they have to like slavishly follow every bit of the plot and setting and scenario and tone and everything of 4, which I think is probably a good thing. I don't know how you guys feel. Yeah, I think that like, I the, the stuff that is laid out, and I'm not going to go over, obviously go read the story, but the stuff that is in there in detail but i they sound like smart choices like more more aligned with maybe the vision they originally wanted for some of that stuff too like that setting things at nighttime and like there's but that's the thing there's a couple of things that i actually liked was i i kind of wish that village sequence would stay in the daytime like i (laughs) like that sequence i like the way it is sort of like framed and shot and all that stuff i guess i my thing is i don't have a problem with them going and taking artistic license to make changes to a game like this because obviously, you know, in, in case of like RE2 remake, especially like they made another great game out of an existing framework. Yeah, but, although like the oh, I'm sorry, I mean, go well, the last thing I was gonna say is like as long as they continue to put out the old version and keep it available to people yeah. to play the original version, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, but that's I mean, the there, thing is I don't want them to overwrite that old version with this. Yeah, I, I think RE4 is such a beloved mm. modern classic. I don't think that's you know they literally just put out that VR version of the original like six months ago or something. Yeah. Um, but a, I think RE4 is a little cornier than some people remember. Like it's kind of 
a cheese fest in a lot of ways. And and the big thrust of the story is that they want to spooky it up. They want to make it right. scary or more foreboding. They actually are apparently that sounds like they're drawing on a lot of the uh, kind of early footage that was released of the aborted version of RE4 that got canceled. Like they want to draw on some of the more horror tinged elements of that stuff that didn't make it into the final game. Um, the big thing for me is that it sounds like the leads of the RE2 remake have taken this project over. And that is fantastic mm. news because like that RE2 remake was like damn near the best game of the year it came out in to me. Um, that said, I think like the one complaint I have about the RE2 remake is how, how much it feels like it just has to follow the entire flow of RE2 for the most part. Like back half of that game drags to me because it's like, Hey, maybe like less time in the sewers and more time with some new stuff you could have come up with to embellish this game would have been cool. You know there is I mean? a lot like, of sewers. There's like the sewer to go on too long that the, the, the creepy high tech lab stuff at the end is cool, but is too short. Like, as good as that game was, I wish they had taken more liberties with it. So hearing that they are doing that with this sounds like it gives this remake a lot more of a reason to exist. Uh, and that sounds kind of promising to me, actually. And they say it's going to be revealed this year if everything goes according to plan. Uh, we, is our last story here? This, um, uh, What's going on with the ex-Yakuza creator? Yeah, Alex, do you have any thoughts on Nagoshi's comments about where they're going with this thing? I mean, basically, he's just being, he says, "Hey, we want to make stuff that is uh, Japanese influenced, right? Like that—that's mm-hmm. kind of our bread and butter, right? Because that's the thing is because like Netties is a Chinese company, right? Yes. So yes. like, and they, they are the ones that are funding this new studio. Yeah. Well, but I mean, his comments are more about wanting to find worldwide success. Mm-hmm. And he says, like, if the drama is good, then people in France will be moved by a Takeshi Kitano movie, and we in Japan can enjoy a movie from India. Totally. Yeah. If the quality if the quality is good, then anyone anywhere should be able to enjoy it." I want to return to that pure element of entertainment, which like at first made me wonder if he was looking at doing something different than what they have done before. But then he goes on later to say we're Japanese and we're a Japanese studio. So naturally the market that we understand the most is Japan. Um, We've been desperately trying to find a methodology that would allow us to create something that would be accepted around the world while keeping our focus on Japan. However, I don't think I've been able to give a complete answer to this question until now. Uh, in order to find the answer to pursue the ideal, I created Negoshi Studio. However, the focus will remain on Japan in the future. So, I mean, they nail it with like, their games. Like, I, I really, oh, yeah. enjoy, I, I enjoy their games because of that focus. Like, I feels like you know, for me, it feels like I'm dipped into this very authentic world. It, whether yeah. it's you know, I like, listen, I'm from an outsider looking in, so it is. I probably need to take a grain of salt in a way that somebody playing a Rockstar game might need to take a grain mm-hmm. of salt on things, but I, I like it. You know, it's, yeah. This just this, this story was a little weird, or this interview was a little weird because, like, it felt like he was taking a very circuitous route to just saying, like, "Yeah, we're going to kind of stick to what we know." Like, right. it sounded at first like they were looking to branch out and, and expand the kind of topics and settings that they have worked with in the past, but then now it actually sounds like they're sticking to their wheelhouse pretty closely. Well, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different ways they can go with that. That is not just them doing, you know, crime stories. Like they can tell other kinds of dramatic tales that aren't necessarily like just rooted in the Japanese underworld, which is very much what that studio was doing. Even in judgment, like that's entirely what those games were. Like their one kind of branching out from that was binary domain. But otherwise, like it is basically been all. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, it's been all Yakuza and it's all been judgment. The interesting thing I will take from this is that I was wondering, 
It's the thing I continue to wonder, and it hasn't manifested in any meaningful way yet, so maybe that's that's not the direction things are going. But as those games have become way more popular in the West, I have wondered if there might have been some pressure in there to try and make those games feel more universally. Like, like, like they're trying to take some of the very distinctly Japanese flavor out of it to try and make them more broadly appealing. But again, that hasn't really happened up to this point. Like, I, I wondered about that when those games started getting more popular out here. But, you know, Like a Dragon and Judgment and Judgment 2, like, those all games, like, there's no sign of that. So, you know, I mean, I, I can understand why he would take the money and, like, have the opportunity to build a new studio and his own vision and kind of do his own thing. But if he's just going to make more of the exact same kind of games he was making at, you know, Sega... I'm not. I'm not opposed to that, but I kind of want. I kind of hope he will stretch his legs a little bit more, and that team will stretch their legs a little bit more, other than just doing their own answer to Yakuza. More to see. Not a lot of details on actually no. what that project is in that yeah. story. Uh, but more to see coming up. That is going to do it for this week's show. I want to thank everybody for listening. If you're out there playing Horizon, and hopefully, uh, I want to hear what your feedback is. I want, it sounds like it could be a love it or hate it thing. I don't know. Yes, I, 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 I want to hear what people think of it. By the time they can let us know, we will probably be deep into Elden Ring. <laughs> we'll but, you know. but yeah, you know, a lot of stuff coming out. Uh, I want to thank everybody for supporting us. You can go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash nextlander, to make everything possible. Everything possible doesn't happen without you bunch of tiers over there you can find a tier to go uh help support us uh on the patreon patreon.com slash nextlander or you help us out just by listening and watching our stuff wherever that may be one of the tiers there the mysterious benefactors tier gets a shout out on this here podcast and i am going to read those names right now evan poon no one Vinny's giant booga boogas Nelson LeBlanc, James Smith, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Sean Miller, Jack Eineker, Nick Donegan, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, JM, Jerry Lee, Gary Pejke, Conrad Kuzmin, Robert Fisher, John McInnes, Octothorpe Bunny Crimes, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Jad Rita, Statics, Andrew Jackson, Bacon Monk, Chris Barkhurst, Anders Booga. Did I get it? Yeah, I think yeah. so. All right. Close. Devin Maestro Hall, Brian Murphy, Kevin Villado, Randy Duax, Mark Allenbach, Aaron Gonzalez Beer, Andrew Teepkin, It Me JP, Edward Cheek, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Richard Welsh, a.k.a. Hired Noobs, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, and Tyler Treese. Thank you very much to our mysterious benefactors, and of course, thank you to everyone who has supported us and all our patrons out there. Could not do it without them. Could Indeed. not. An example of that, uh, the, another episode of The Comfy Crew went up, uh, which is, uh, I'm joined by Mary Kish, and artwork by Aura Hack, and all of that is supported by patrons out there and people supporting us. So thank you very much for letting us make the stuff we want to make to bring to you. And really, we really do appreciate it. Uh, we have a bunch of other stuff going on, but this is a pretty heavy Horizon week, so we're going to have another Horizon stream happening on Thursday. If you're listening to this at the actual day of release, that'll be today. So you can tune in for that. I believe that is slated for 1 p.m. Eastern. 
uh, on Thursday. And then we're going to have uh, our Friday stream coming up uh, same time, 1 p.m. Eastern on Friday. So you can join in for more of that. And if you want to see our pretty much spoiler-free uh, Monday uh, talk over half hour stuff for Horizon, that is now up. Even though I feel like at least your and my thoughts on that stream have kind of been supplanted. You can follow the evolution of the, our the thoughts. Evolve, yes, mm-hmm. our evolving or maybe increasingly positive feelings on Horizon. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again for supporting us. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Vinny. We'll be back next week.